0: Welcome to the Bring Your Lunch Pail Sports Podcast. Presented by Luke's Pizzas. So don't do that for A. Thank you for the advice. Featuring Lucas Clark and Nigel Romain.
1: Tell me more about these lizard overlords.
0: Now introducing your host, Tanner Rutz. back for episode seven of the bring your lunch pail podcast i don't know if you can tell by my voice but i am not tanner rutz tanner is out of town on a turkey hunt with his dad so this week you have just nigel and i the inmates have escaped from the asylum it's (laughs) official there's no there's no holding us back and uh i'm sure as you listen further you're gonna realize that uh we don't have much of a game plan here we're just kind of flying solo without our captain tan but you know he's out there killing birds they're overpopulated in this region and they're decimating the grubworm population you got a fucking problem with that not nearly as much as i do with the uh attire that you have on or just your general point of view towards everybody but let's go kill some birds i'm psyched
1: he already he already bagged one. It looks like I think I, I think
0: Mike bagged one.
1: Yeah, his pops now, bagged one. Now we don't know this, yeah, but I have it on his pops
0: one. I have it on good authority that. Uh... Mike is the one. If I've heard anything from his hunting stories is that I think uh Mike gets first pull on these until he, I feel like <laughs> <Yeah. he's> like, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. like uh it reminds me of uh playing middle school basketball with Peter Reilly. said he's gotta fire up about thirty three pointers and you gotta <laughs> shag rebounds for him. And then once he's had his fill, that's when uh that's when that's when that's when <laughs> yeah. old Tan gets to pull.
1: Yeah. He gets to coax that first bird in though, that's for sure.
0: So anyway, so Tanner's out, it's just Nigel and I, we're going to be kind of, it's going to be a little more raw and gritty this week, we don't have have a play-by-play sheet, we're just kind of doing whatever we want to do, and since it's been such a long time since we've done our last recording, probably just going to have to do a little bit of catch-up, and I think we should start, obviously, with the Mariners, I think the last time we recorded we were, the Mariners hadn't even played a game yet, they were getting ready for the season opener, which we were at. Yep. So, why don't you just go ahead and start riffing on that a little bit, and we can get the conversation going about how the Mariners' season has gone so far.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's we were at the first game. Uh, things started off on a real high note. Uh, Mariners yes, they won, did. won the first game. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to
0: stop you there. It started off on a high note, because so you remember... Marshawn Lynch. Oh, yeah. Marshawn the Lynch, the
1: glove, throwing was out it, the first pitch. Was Jewel there? Lloyd part Jewel of that, Lloyd too? And, uh, and Casey Keller, Sounders legend. And Casey Keller, wow, yeah. What a star studded first yeah, pitch. Yeah, they there. threw out
0: the first pitch. You got the, uh, what was that? You had the, uh, were those Apaches? Yeah, you know you got, they kid,
1: were? They got, got The, the Ap- Apache
0: flyover. The Apache flyover. That was pretty crowd, sick. The
1: crowd was sold out. We we're close to it. Everything
0: was Everything was bumping. It was a good time. Uh, $15 beers were flowing and was, everyone was happy. <laughs> well, fun. actually, see, I'm glad you brought that up because that's obviously my first takeaway and this has been a larger conversation so far about baseball. And I think you've already seen that, like, is it the Brewers and a couple other teams have already moved their beer sales to later?
1: Oh, really? I hadn't seen that. Yeah,
0: to the end of the eighth inning because the game is going so much faster now that their beer sales instantly dipped. Yeah. Well, I and heard personally, like, the first,
1: that first week that that a bunch of the vendors were were pissed off because they're not making as much in tips as they used to because games are going you know especially a pitcher's duel it's going two hours ten minutes two hours twenty minutes and so by the time you hit the seventh inning they're you know you're an hour and forty in and they're sort of not they're missing out on an hour of uh, of drinking time for for the patrons like us
0: yeah see and I was kind of like, really on board with it, especially at that first game, because it's like, you know, we go we go to Hooverville beforehand. And I think had a couple beers at the house, as you do. Pretty game, Got yeah. Kalia to DD down there for me and Marty. Like, shout out Kalia. And then go to Hooverville. I think I had two or three beers there, maybe a shot to go with it. By the time we got in the stadium, and, you know, if for fans of the show, if you don't know this, uh, Nigel and I are what they call heavyweight drinkers. <laughs> uh
1: but we're punching in the, punching in the big boy i
0: think i think i kind of ramped it up right at the end because it was just handed to me but i think i had two beers in the stadium up until the seventh inning yeah when then i was handed like two more so yeah, i like obviously four. drank them yeah but like i'm thinking back to older days, it's like i'm drinking five or six of those guys like it's setting you back a c-note yeah <laughs> so like i was pretty happy about the amount because like I didn't need those two beers at the end. They were just given to me. And as a, I, I don't see myself as a wasteful person. So I wasn't just going to, I wasn't going to say you're no.
1: Dumping it out. Yeah, I'm not going
0: to dump it out. That's it silly. But so I was pretty happy. It's like I got, I drank two beers and that got me through basically the entire game, maybe yeah. a third. And so I was feeling pretty good about that. But I could see where if you're the one selling them, you don't want guys like us being like, "Oh, I got my two beers. I feel good about it." Like yeah. that's not really good for business.
1: Yeah, I uh, it, it definitely it's it zooms by now. Like I've been to a second game since then, and the similar situation. The game, it was a pitchers duel. I've, both games that I've been to, uh, Castillo's been on the mound. And so, you, good know, games yeah, you know, he's working, working quick, even for, I mean, he works quick on top of the fact that he's also yeah, without the pitch, Yeah, clock. without the pitch clock, he works quick. So he's move, moving through batters too. So it, that second game I went to, he was perfect through six, six and a third, so six yeah. and two thirds, something like and that. So he so got into the seven before yeah. he, So both those games ahead. were two hours, 10 minutes, two hours, 20 minutes, which I like so far to, <laughs> before we get into more about the opening game, like We'll talk about that. Like, I, I think I like that so far. I don't know how much I'm going to like it come September, October baseball. Right? But for now, you know, during the, like a random Thursday night game, give me the two hours, two and a half hours. Like, that's, I'm fine with it so far. I mean, it's definitely moving things along pretty well.
0: I agree with that. Although I also think, and I feel like we kind of touched on this before and we talked about it, or at least off while not recording with a lot of this is that it's like it's all fresh and new by the end of the season like these guys you're gonna not only the fans are gonna be used to seeing this the players are gonna be more used to it so I don't know if the playoff baseball is gonna be dramatically affected by it yeah. outside of like you know a crucial like walk or strikeout is given because of the pitch clock like I just mean like the timing in general yeah but it's like it'll probably be pretty normalized by the time you get to the postseason that like it's not gonna it's not going to be crazy and your viewing experience more, isn't going to be that different
1: yeah and there'll be more more pitching changes and more yeah, more situational stuff going on but yeah so we'll we'll see how it all plays out but so so far i guess the bottom line is it's working out pretty well i think i think uh, it, it's been a good choice for baseball to move forward with these rules and i from i mean we're more hardcore fans i guess but from more casual fans that I've talked to, I think people seem to enjoy it. The game I went to with the second game I went to last weekend was with family, and so I think there are a couple of people in the fam don't couldn't care less about baseball; it's more just family outing. But the fact that it's moving along, it's noticeable to a lot of people that have been to games and are more casual fans, and I think that I think that people enjoy that. So it's a little more palatable. However, that being said. That's in April on a 46-degree day. <laughs> on a, I might uh, feel a little different again on, like, a Sunday in the middle of summer, at 1 o'clock game when I'm out there trying to sit in the the nice 80-degree sun for a couple hours and watch some baseball. Yeah. I, that, that's when I feel like it might be a little different. But for now, it, I think it's been a good thing. So. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think we talked about this before, is that I've heard that complaint, which – obviously falls on deaf ears for us because we live pretty close to the stadium. But you know, I've heard people kind of complaining that it's like I drive an hour and a half one way to get to the stadium. You spend three hours driving to the park and back and the game takes
1: two and a half
0: hours. And it's like some people are kinda like
1: Yeah.
0: I kinda like the idea that you if I'm going out it. for it, yeah, you make yeah. a day of it. But Obviously, like I said, that doesn't resonate with us that much because, like,
1: I think most fans are coming from a close enough proximity. They're not traveling too far, you know. Um, I think that's in general most sporting events. People aren't traveling from large distances in the greater Seattle or greater metropolitan area of whatever city it is. Yeah,
0: although we've talked about this before, though, that the Mariners have a pretty large. Actually, yeah, and all all, sprawling fan base, all Seattle sure. sports teams do True. just because obviously yeah, there isn't Northwest. professional. Yeah, yeah, there aren't professional teams in Idaho and Oregon. Obviously, has the Trailblazers and the Timbers, but you know they don't have a football yeah. team. They don't have a baseball team. True. Yeah. So there, uh, are, a major there are baseball there's team. there's
1: definitely some people that are coming up and and coming up from out of town or coming up from Idaho, coming from the east side, um, east side of the mountains, not east side of of uh, Lake Washington. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's, I think it's been positive so far. So, um, look, seems like there's more stolen bases going on a little bit too. So the, the bag size is maybe making a little bit of a difference. Um, yeah, I mean the
0: numbers seem like they're in at least I haven't seen them really since opening weekend, but you know, seem pretty glaring opening weekend, you know, like 70 something stolen bases yeah. to like 20, Yeah. Exactly, you know, so. like each of the couple of years before that is in the low twenties or whatever. And it was up to 70 that like, yeah, think like that's a good thing for baseball.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think they want people moving on the bases and things happening. So, um, yeah, it seems it seems to be working for them so far.
0: So now that we've covered that, <laughs> yeah. maybe, so, yeah, maybe so, we'll get into the specifics <laughs> yeah, now. Of, yeah, but, uh,
1: so, yeah, that that opening game, though, um, just to recap, I know it's a week or two ago now, but there's. <laughs> Couple points in particular. One, one in particular that I wanted to bring back up, just because we talked a lot about it on the last episode, and and so Mariners. It was a it was a zero zero game game the entire time till the eighth inning. Um, real pitchers duel back and forth, um, and then in the eighth inning, Mariners finally got. Got a runner on board, two runners on board. I can't remember exactly. It was was it two on board? Yeah. And um, and you finally had your your uh, pitch clock violation for for yes. the lever for yes. for Cleveland, and Karen, it was, Karen check. Yeah, Karen check gets gets a pitch clock violation, and and on cue, everyone just starts going crazy, like, and the entire like it like unspoken rule almost like the entire crowd just starts like yelling like, everyone's on their feet. Like it's like a football game. Like, like everyone stands up and it's yes. like it's like your your home t- home teams on defense on a football field and everyone's just like screaming. Yeah, I was just and, standing up just yeah, yeah, everyone like an husky football oh, game. You know, just, like, yeah. Exactly. So it and it's the it exact awesome. atmosphere that it, like we've talked about in previous pods that like doesn't happen in baseball ever. And all, except maybe in the world baseball classic where it's a little more, you know, kind of culturally norm for that for that to happen sure. for other places. And so it but instantly like everyone jumps right in and and starts going crazy. And of course Karen Chuck struggles through that at bat and was well, that against was that with against Ty france too i think bat? that was what put was the that second th- guy on at yeah, so, yeah so yeah so
0: i think he if my talk about getting two beers in the seven <laughs> yeah yeah, remember that is that yeah. it's a little fuzzy what's not fuzzy is you kind of glossed over this is that he gets the he gets the pitch clock violation and everybody's screaming you remember what happened mm-hmm. next he threw it over the catcher's head. Oh yeah, head. He threw it over the catcher's
1: head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> he yeah. Was so rattled. yeah, yeah. So everyone starts hollering, and it's just like that. It's kind of like the the one the thing I explained from a couple of years ago with Johnny Cueto, where it's like right where he, he dropped the ball, where he dropped the ball, and then everyone's going crazy, and then he like he spikes the next one, and then throws a throws a cupcake over the middle of the plate, and the guy hits a dinger in the first inning of a playoff game. And it's like that is the that is the atmosphere that that I want in baseball. And so on cue, ask and I shall receive. He, this all happens. Next batter comes up, Ty France and he, and he hits a dinger to go up three, nothing in the, uh, in the bottom of the eighth Mariners, Mariners go out, close the game and get the dub. And it's like, that is the exact atmosphere that I'm trying to trying to be at or trying to see at baseball game. So could not have been more excited about that. I was I was really pumped to to see that happen. Yeah, and that was. Yeah, it was it was awesome. That see. was
0: yeah, that was a level of excitement at a baseball game that I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I mean, opening day always has a little more juice to it, especially if it's a good game.
1: Yeah, but it was a playoff atmosphere type of type of situation. Yeah. And I just hope that the Mariners are going to have more of those in the near future. And baseball in general has more of those because it's like it's it makes it more fun.
0: Yeah. And so getting back on track with kind of just how the Mariners went. Unfortunately, that was the only win they got in that series, and <laughs> yeah. then they ended up dropping three in a row. Yeah. And
1: Cleveland's a good team, though. They're they a good team. They're a good team, and we went right right back there on the road the, that next weekend and swept them
0: no we didn't remember we oh we pissed pissed away we pissed away the last game it was looking like we we were were, two of three because like remember that was kind of the conversation too is that it sounds ridiculous but those are the only two series we have against them and if we would have swept them then we would have had a four four three series lead on the season which Which, could have tiebreaker implications later on on, because they could be uh, which seems kind of silly that it's like that's already wrapped up you know three or not yeah. not even three two weeks into the season like you don't even play cleveland again
1: there's a lot of baseball left to be played but it is i mean potential wild card implications but i did say that year.
0: though and i said that before in the preview is it like it sounds kind of ridiculous but the astros are kind of banged up early in the season is the time that you want to take games and i heard this the other day i haven't looked at it i assume it's still closest like the Strohs are. Under five hundred, yeah, or, right, so. or they're right, or they're there.
1: That ball, right in there. So,
0: yeah. like, I feel like part of that's true is like Stros are probably going to come out and be a little rough around the edges to start the year because they're a little banged up. Yeah, and the Mariners haven't really capitalized on getting like gaining ground early. Yeah, to try to help cushion that because you know that Astros are going to be. Well above five hundred, just like I think the Mariners will be too.
1: Yeah, but, Astros are ten and ten as yeah as we speak at this moment. It and the Mariners are eight and eleven, soon to be nine and eleven. Hopefully they're up by a couple runs as we speak right now too. Yeah. so they but so you know, like that's right. a
0: perfect opportunity. Is that if you can come out and be start the season? Like I'm I'm not down on the Mariners, but you know you come out and instead of being nine and eleven, you know you're fourteen and whatever the math is but you know you're four or five games over 500 instead
1: yeah and it, there's uh the Mariners have just not really gotten not to the start that a, lo- a lot of the bats haven't gotten off to the start that we wanted um, which yeah I be- mean
0: despite everything you've said like Kelnick has been great
1: yeah that's what <laughs> I, was, I was just gonna get to that I couldn't be more right about one thing. That's that Kelnick's about to be the AL MVP this year. Dude is just, just out of Should his we write that I'm in pen like, right now? <laughs> yeah. Not, no I wrote it in pen. Yeah, no I, pencil yes, that's, needed. That just is pen in. Just, put that in I, ink. Yeah, I, I inked it. I sealed it. That's wax sealed. Okay, Jared Kelnick, AL MVP. His vote's already in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you you part might as of well be it. a Heisman yeah. voter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My vote's in already. So, um, yeah, Kelnick's. Gotten off to a real hot, hot start. He's he's hitting. I think he he has the second highest average on on the M's right now. Behind Ty. Ty France is leading leading the team, which it should be the case. Ty France is more of a contact hitter as it is.
0: Yeah, not to sound like a Debbie Downer, though, is that like, isn't this exactly what you expect from Ty France? Though he's done this basically every year.
1: Yeah, he just, Ty France needs he's just, to just gonna, continue. He's going to gonna hit a, through the. Entire he's
0: going to pick up injuries. Slash, he's gonna hit a lull. Yeah. He he just well, has it. We just need better.
1: him to. We need him to not pick up the injuries because it seems like that's when he hits his yeah, low. It usually has, coincides. He, like he gets beaned. He gets beaned like seventeen times. Which
0: I haven't seen that from him much not this year. I
1: think he got hit once. Like in. I'm sure he has. Didn't he get hit in like the first at bat or something? Like <laughs> that was something crazy. Yeah, you might uh, be right about yeah, that. Yeah, I think it or it was like in that first series. I think he got beaned once, but. But yeah, that I feel like that's been his his Achilles heel is that he he stays in there so, you know, stays in and watches the pitches and then gets hit seventeen times and then catches a catches an injury, tries to play through it, hits a slump, then hits the DL and then is a little you know a little There's slumps on both
0: ends of that.
1: And at the at the end of last year, he just wasn't. Hit. I mean, I don't know if it's injury or what it was, but he. I, he at least said, I remember at the end of last year, he's like, "I'm not injured. I'm just horrible. I just, horrible. Suck, I just yeah. suck at playing baseball right now." I think it was his quote, and so we just need Ty France to not suck at playing baseball because we know what he's capable of. And over the course of the season, he should be a plus three hundred hitter, especially now without a shift. And not that they were shifting him much, but he he hits all over the park. But he just should be. He just needs to be a plus three hundred hitter for us to yeah. do that. It's,
0: with all that in mind, I mean, I think that's what's been the most surprising about the Mariners win-loss record right now it's just that it's like and we can get into how bad Colton Wong and the DH spot have been but you have Kelnick hitting really well Ty France is doing what he's supposed to do Julio isn't quite as hot as you'd probably like but no he's not hot by his yeah. standards but you know he drops he drops down to Two twenty-five because it's early in the season, and then he gets two or three hits, and he's back up to two. You know, he's been like a two-sixty hitter basically. Yeah. You know, as he's, it stands right now, he's he's, he's two-sixty right now. Yeah. And but his his on-base
1: percentage is over three hundred still. So he's he's still getting walks. He's getting on the base pads He's causing havoc. Like he's yeah. I'm not worried. Yes, yeah. I don't think he But
0: up. you know, he's still a quality, dangerous hitter in the lineup, even if his numbers don't look gaudy. Yeah, you know. Twenty games into the season,
1: yeah, he'll he'll be there. But Gino,
0: Gino's been hitting well. Yeah. Ty France, like you said, has been hitting well. Teoscar Hernandez started off horribly, but he's, he's been well. pretty good. Basically, yeah. if you wipe away the first seven or eight games of the season, he's probably hitting up there. You know, two seventy five. Yeah. If you wipe away the first, yeah, he's back up to two forty, and he was at
1: 100, 120 yeah. a week ago. He was bag- so. he was
0: begging for a hit through yeah. the first. Three series, basically. Yeah. Now he looks like the guy that everyone expects him to be. Yeah. So, like I said, it's kind of surprising that with that much production from the guys you're counting on having production, and Cal Raleigh's been pretty decent too. Yeah. So far. Yeah. That they're not winning.
1: Yeah. Well, I think part of that has been some letdowns in the bullpen. They're not
0: winning as much as you'd want them to. Like like I said, if they win tonight, they're nine and eleven. You're two games under five. It's there's a lot of I heard was, them I heard them run the list this morning when I was listening to the radio that like the Phillies are under five hundred, the Strows are back 500, back to five hundred, yeah. the Padres I think are under five hundred. Uh there was like a whole list of like bunch of teams that you expect to be in the playoffs and they're all so like it's yeah. it's early in the season, so yeah. a lot it's of
1: just, left, but I think you've you've had some disappointments in the bullpen, you've led a couple game like it's it's just not what you expect from the from the Mariners bullpen. I would say it's like yeah, Matt Brash, Brash, Brash. has been a guy, yeah, a couple times. He, it's crazy because it's either like he has the he throws it like he did in that first game where he literally he literally unhorsed. Um, oh, that's right, <laughs> Ramirez on that. Yeah, I made him fall down. <laughs> yeah, I made him fall down. He. Uh, he, his pitch was so nasty, he, like, corkscrewed and then made him fall over. So you have that mad Brash, or you have the, like, gives up four runs. And,
0: I just feel like that's where he's still at with his stuff, that it's so filthy. Yeah. That if it's not on a, point, though, he then he ends up having right, to lob yeah. them in. Yeah. And then he gets torched. Yeah. Where if he can, if he really has command of his stuff, yeah. then, like, obviously he's nearly unhittable. Yeah. But you just have those, like, peaks and valleys. You just need a little bit more... You know, it's why, like, we kind of have talked shit about Paul Seawald in the past. More friendly talking shit about him. But, you know, he's steady Eddie. Yeah. He doesn't have flashy stuff, and so Bratcher's gonna have to find a little bit of that. That it's yeah. like, you have filthy stuff. When it's when you don't have command, though, you gotta find ways to get through. You gotta find ways to just be a little more steady Eddie. Yeah. Find some pitches that you can rely on. Yeah. And so true. he's been really... It also, Dominant or disgusting. Like it also no, doesn't have No help, middle ground.
1: You've already he, Munoz is on the DL after the first yeah. weekend of the season, so you don't have that. Like the guy who you probably were relying on as your number one or two, like situational. Uh, I mean, he closed like that pressure. first. The yeah. first game we went to, exactly. they your, he's your the number one or two pressure situation reliever, uh, M and Seawall, you know. One A, one B, probably for whoever you want, whoever you want to throw in. So he's on the DL. You had you had um, um, Robbie Ray hit the DL after his start, and I feel like that's kind of been part of the Mariners' issue a little bit too. Is that Robbie Ray gets gets touched up in his first start, so you instantly have to go to the bullpen early, and then and then your so your bullpen's already tired because they had to. Had to pitch extra innings, and, and then same thing. Flexen comes in his first game, he pitches well. Second game gets shelled, yeah. and so th- th- that same thing. It's like he got pulled after the second inning, and you have to you have to go you know bullpen game. And so now everybody's tired again, and you're back in the same you know the same boat that you you were. And so I don't entirely blame the bullpen because they've already been put. You know they're been put into stressful situations a little bit to start the season off, and your you know your guy that you were going to be counting on long relief is now a starter, and your best your best relief guy or second best relief guys on the DL, and so you're you're already you know kind of kind of having to pull out your Uno reverse card on, on yeah, early. but
0: I mean I feel like we didn't we kind of know this going into the season though that it's like one of the one of the kind of like taglines of last season is that we didn't have any injuries, at yeah. least at least in the in the rotation and the bullpen.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And so, like, you're not going to be able to replicate that.
1: Yeah, no. And, uh,
0: and so, I mean, no, I think I think, think it will level, level out. Yeah, it's been no, a little luckily, choppy uh, right uh, now. Luckily,
1: but, those guys are both on the sh- the short injured list I think I called it DL uh, but injured list yeah, injured IL list. Uh, um, get with the times yeah exactly sorry don't cancel me um, <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm PC I'm HR guy um, but anyway yeah I think that they're all, you know they're out a couple of weeks they'll be back and you know hopefully come end of May we're not worried about ending that everybody's healthy and, and cruising along we're above 500 and, oh. in a good good place but for now, here's where we are. So we gotta.
0: I am interested count. to see with all of that in mind, because I feel like we've talked about this before too. Is that uh, Bryce Miller? You probably feel like isn't a guy that you wouldn't call up until probably June, maybe late June, similar yeah. to how Kirby yeah. got rolled out. Even though I still think Bryce Miller is more of a bullpen guy than a obviously because we don't have room in the starting rotation. Yeah, barring a. Yeah, but you still injuries. want to
1: stretch him out and
0: yeah so i'm curious if that if that timeline will change if guys continue to stay hurt and continue to struggle cuz like yeah. brash obviously i think we are all, we all like brash a lot but this is a uh how you say like production driven league yeah. yeah you can like the guy all you want and you can admire his stuff but if you're going out there and you're giving up runs Somebody's gotta take your place. Yeah. So I'm yeah. curious of that that's what I'm curious to see over the next thirty games. If things don't level out in the bullpen, if you see them maybe
1: maybe start move
0: that timeline up a yeah. little bit, which even thirty games right now it's fuck, it's almost May. So <laughs> yeah. like yeah, I guess you only move the timeline up from end of June to end of May. Yeah,
1: you moved it up a little, you know,
0: bit, but a little bit. Still that and, that is significant though.
1: Yeah. Well I, I think they you know, they want they want uh Bryce Miller much like Brash and much like Kirby and all these guys that they brought up, it's like in Logan before that, it's like they want they want them to go dominate in in A ball or Double A ball so that they're feeling confident, then they can come in and just and just ride the a, lightning. A, yeah, exactly, just ride the lightning. And so I I would think that they you know ideally because I I think that Modesto didn't start until. A week or so after the, the it's usually it, how it goes, they start it, a it later. So you you definitely want to get him some starts and get him comfortable down there and pit you know in a rhythm and a groove down there first, and then and then bring him up and and you know let him ride the lightning like you said. But so we'll see we'll see what happens. I think that hopefully these guys are going to come back come back and be healthy and we, it's, hopefully it's not a it's a non-issue in two weeks from now, but we'll see. So,
0: switching gears from uh, from the arms to the bats, Colton, <laughs> Colton Wong. I feel like so far, and I honestly thought, like heading in, that's trying to be optimistic that it's like maybe maybe with Demo hurt, it might be nice that Colton Wong is going to have a chance to like establish himself as the everyday second baseman. And not have, you know, Demo, like, looking over his shoulder. Yeah. Much like Kelnick has kind of been able to embrace a little bit more of an everyday role. Yeah. And run with it. Colton Wong has done, how you say, the opposite. (laughs) And it's just been... You can't even play him. Like, we already have uh, Caballero in there or whatever. and I mean, I don't know that he's any good either, but he's not Wong, so... Yeah, it kind yeah, of it kind of feels right.
1: I I don't know what's going on with him. Defensively, he looks good. Which does he? Yeah, I don't he's know. he's made a, he made a play on that Sunday game that I was at where he like ball up the middle and like gets it ju- like Jeter jump like back okay. across like he made a good play like he, it seems like he's
0: yeah I just don't know that he's, like he's
1: he's but not he's not playing well. He's probably defensively not any... that he's that he's making up for it. Yeah, his I, I think bat. that like, I think the guy that
0: yeah is it. Caballero. Caballero, Caballero, I I think he's just, I think he's no worse, probably. (laughs) Marginally.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're.
0: Like you said, his bats are. They're probably both
1: hitting about 100. (laughs) Yeah, something. yeah,
0: uh, hundred and some change. And, he's got the Caviaro's got a lot less at bats, but yeah. I think he was one twenty five earlier when we were watching the game. That's on a limited number of at bats. Yeah. none, it's of, it's good. Or, none like, of it's probably one for ten. None
1: of one for nine or something like that. Yeah, none of that. it is that good. Yeah, it. Yeah, Wong. Man, I I hope the guy heats up because we need it. We need him to, you know, even if he's
0: just have a pulse.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just have put you like you just need to be above 200 and just be a 220 hitter Yeah, exactly but right now he's just he looks a little lost out there it's been a little unlucky too like i've seen him you've seen him like actually get good wood on it and then he and then it goes right to somebody so a little a little bit of that's unlucky but right now it just he just doesn't look too too good and then you got the dh spot you got the pollock pollock hummel listella combination which has combined for, uh, up until tonight, had had combined for one ribby. Yeah, Pollock shattered the
0: record books of one (laughs) swing tonight by driving in two with a little gapper.
1: Yeah, but up until tonight's Friday night, by the way, uh, the uh, DH position has been just as dismal as the second-base position, which, I mean, I think we kind of talked about that going into the season. It's like DH by committee, you know, hopefully someone can can uh, step up in there. And so far, that has not been the case. It's
0: just... Yeah, and I think I was talking with Shane about this the other day. Because, you know, he's kind of saying what everybody knows. <laughs> it's just kind of like, they didn't really address it in the off season, And, like, yeah. here it is, like, showing its head. It's like, you know, I think, obviously, like, the idea with DePoto that was, like, we want to be versatile. Yeah, you bring in a guy like Cooper Hummel who can play catcher if he has to. Yeah, he can also play a little first base. He can also play a little outfield. Yeah, like and then you have some lefty righty type matchups. It's also crazy to think that in all of this scheme, you are kind of thinking that like DeMo is going to be a player in this. <laughs> like, so I mean, I can see where the criticism comes from because if you are relying on DeMo to be some sort of game changer in this like versatile type. Role, then you know maybe you have a problem. Yeah. But I get the idea. But it was successful say,
1: for you last year too. And like yeah, although Hagerty But I was gonna say Santana
0: was a guy though that like yeah. now I feel like it's like even if he wasn't doing that well, I feel like you always felt good about what he brought to the team. Yeah, he seemed dangerous. He had good at bats, and to be honest, I haven't watched. You know, I follow the Mariners. I haven't sat down and watched every at bat especially for the DHs and stuff. It's like how how good are the quality of the at bats, you know? Or yeah. like is Tommy LeStello well, going out there and he's hitting, you know. I
1: don't think Tommy LeStello is bringing bringing the the uh prowess at the plate that, was that like, a guy like Sam like, and an
0: 091 so. batting average looks really bad, but if you're drawing a full count every time and then going down like on a ground out, like you sure. know, there there's some yeah there's some advanced, merit to that. Yeah, there's, there's some, some merits. There's, there's, there's some advanced scouting and go and be like, yeah, well, the production's not there, but we actually really like what we're seeing from it. And Santana kind of fit that bill, I feel like, a lot better. He usually yeah. felt like he gets you a quality at bat. Yeah. And then he had clutch and he was moments. And
1: he had and he had pop. He was clutch yes. and he had pop. Exactly. So well like-
0: the statisticians will tell you that clutch isn't a stat. I don't believe that yeah. and that's what I said yeah, say,
1: say that to uh, the but Mariners that's the thing is that I don't year. even know what
0: Santana's doing right now, but yeah. I think the yeah. Mariners are fine because they can go get that guy yeah, they whenever go, they want.
1: yeah, they can go trade for a bucket of baseballs, yeah, he, some and, like, quarters he, for the laundry machine, yeah, exactly. like, like and they'll be fine, but <laughs> yeah.
0: it is a little frustrating to see it yeah. so far, especially because like you said, there's a lot of there's been a lot of good production at the top of the lineup, and then you look at the bottom
1: and it's a bit dismal. Yeah,
0: and then you can kind of see why we're under 500. Although, yeah. I still wouldn't even put it that much on yes. on those guys cuz like you're still going to be a pitching and defensive team first and then you need quality clutch at bats from your best guys. Yeah. It's just been kind of crazy as it and maybe I don't think that the bubble's bursting on it, but the Mariners like embrace the chaos. You yeah. know, we got the sign on the wall that they've really like Embraced these like close games and winning those ones, and so far through twenty, they've looked like it's kind of trending the opposite. Yeah. but They're kind of they're, finding they're, ways to yeah, lose they're, games. They're coming of, back
1: to the, the the mean or the median. Like, yeah, to, they're finding
0: ways to lose those close games instead of win them. I think they've proven over the last few years with these guys in the clubhouse that that will probably change.
1: Yeah, they're they're built. They've been built to to win those games. So hopefully, over the course of the season, they're gonna win more of those than they lose they've lost pretty much seems like all of them that all those extra inning games maybe they won one of them so far but i feel like all those like close extra inning games right now they've lost
0: it feels like they've lost <laughs> yeah i don't have the numbers in front of me yeah. so i don't know but definitely feels like they've and, lost all those close games and there's,
1: and there's been a few of those too that it's like i think at least two of them maybe three of them that's like julio has come up it, in yeah, the game we games. just watched the other day yeah. against the Brewers and that was yeah. painful. Yeah. Julio Julio's come up with with runners on <laughs> runners in scoring position. It was like that's the guy that you want to do it and to be there in that situation and he hasn't done it so far and that's why I'm not really that worried because I know he will. So I I just have I I'm confident that he's you know over the course of the year he's he's the guy that you want in that situation and so if he's being put there, he's gonna win more of those than he loses. Right now, he's he's uh, taking a couple punches, but I think he's gonna deliver more blows at the by the time it's all said and done. It's like he did, I guess he had one of them in one of those games, like late where he those bases loaded and he hit a triple that cleared the bases and we won then, that game. I think we still lost that. One, did we lose didn't we? that one? Yeah, that's we, when we went
0: up and then we ended yeah, up. Maybe it was so, and then we know, ended up pissing you know, it then then away we, yeah, right at they, the end.
1: Yeah, so. There, so, Julio's still, like, I think he's going to win more of those than he loses at the end of the year, is my yeah. bottom line. So, uh, and I think, not just Julio, I think Ty France is the same the same way. Like, I think, you know, Julio, Ty France, maybe Kelnick at this point. You know, I think those guys, by the end of the year, are, will hopefully be winning more than they lose on those clutch situations.
0: Yeah, so I think it's kind of shocking that through 20 games, is that, and I mean, you were you were big on this, so credit where credit's due is that Kelnick looks like one of the more composed bats yeah. in the lineup. Like, that's the only criticism I'll have for Julio right now. And he's kind of shown this still to great success. But I still feel like ever since that home run derby, sometimes he's just... Pre- like, that first part of the season last year prior to the home run derby, very cool, calm, and collected, and he still has all of those things. He's just pressing a little bit more. Like, that was... That Brewers game the other night in extra innings, when he had a chance to win it, because I think that's the most frustrating thing is that that guy had just thrown like eight balls out of his last ten pitches. Yeah, and throws, a ball, throws a ball, throws a ball to Julio, and then yeah, and then he jumps on the next pitch, and then he weakly grounds out to end yeah. the game. It's like just be patient. This guy's hardly hit the strike zone. Like, yeah, he's gonna throw and you make balls, him,
1: make him... Make him be in a pressure. I mean it's already a pressure yeah. situation, but let the pressure cook a little bit and like Yeah. And like I get it you're and... I
0: get it you're a talented bat. You want yeah. You want yeah. to go up there and see a ball hit a ball. Yeah. But also it's I think he's just been pressing a little bit and his numbers, you know, are air quotes slightly down to start the year. Because yeah. that's how good of a player he is is just like kind he, like, eh.
1: he can go up two four for four games and be back at three hundred. Like, yeah, and he's capable you know, of so doing that, but I think
0: I think part of his And I think it's going to happen is that I think he's just pressing it a little bit. Yeah. And I think you see it in individual at-bats. You also see like he's still grinding out hits and stuff. Yeah. And you can see it that like he just has such pure talent that like, oh, that's not that great of a pitch. I'll just go ahead and like drop the barrel out and I loop a single and I'll steal second and that's why you're a star. It's just about settling in a little bit, being a little more patient and it's He's hitting for power still. Yeah, like he he's fine. I'm not worried yeah. about. There's it. also
1: been a couple of those that, like I swear, if it's like June, the ball's out of the park. Yeah, like, there's been a few. Yeah, of that he's that had that a few like, that it's the like the ball pops off his bat. I'm like, there's no way that that ball was caught. Like that it thing, doesn't even get to the warning. Yeah, track, exactly. It's like not warning track like... power. And it's like he is. Like I swear, it's, something's going on there because it's like he got every bit of the barrel on it, and and then it's caught like. Two steps inside the warning track, I'm like man, I don't give it. Give it a couple of months, and not forty-six degrees, and that thing probably carries out of the ballpark. Yeah, but well, you know, that's obviously speculation. But it, it just seems like he's he's gotten gotten a few of those now. One one real quick thing that I just want to fall or finish up on, you know, yes. Uh, can we again just give Kelnick some roses for some for those diggers the, the other day? Uh, oh, in, in Chicago, that Chicago, that Chicago series. If you if you are not an avid Mariners watcher, uh, Kelnick hit a huge home run to to left or to right field to start in the first game of that series that that pretty much hit the scoreboard in right field. You know, very very nice shot, four hundred plus feet probably It was like four thirty, four forty. Yeah, four thirty, four forty, something like that. Maybe four twenty five. Like, yeah, really nice, really nice shot. The next day hits one to left field. And then the third the third game in the series hits one to dead center field that was four eighty 480 something. It was four eighty two four eighty two. Something like that, which was which was the second furthest ball in the StatCast cast era i believe yeah and only it was a judge that hit it further sounds right something like that so they've been recording this since 2015 i believe so you know not
0: not like yeah i actually had that game on on the spare tv upstairs when i was working from home and they were talking about it right when it happened because uh What's his name? Like John Shambi or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, the yeah. guy that
0: does a lot of the ESPN broadcasts, but he's yeah. also the everyday Cubs broadcaster.
1: Yeah,
0: and like as soon as he hit it, he's like, "I've never seen a ball hit get put there. there."
1: Yeah,
0: and he was right because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> because it yeah. never has. Yeah, like gets the longest home run, and well, obviously it's the second longest in Statcast. It gets the longest ever at Wrigley. Yeah. But yeah, just a great sign for Kelnick, though. Like you said, yeah. hits a home run, three home runs, three straight games, all the different parts of the field. He
1: actually hit one in the in the next game too, didn't he? Maybe he hit two in one of those games because he hit one at home, to his first at at-bat yeah. after that road trip. Yeah, I don't know if he went forward. He there have, might have been a game off in between. Yeah, there. maybe there was a day in between. But regardless, I mean that that one that one homer just absolutely mashed. And pretty yeah, I heard I heard uh, multiple announcers and baseball peeps saying that they'd never seen a ball go go out there at Wrigley before, and just, it just it's just a testament to how how the kids see the ball right now, and I love it. So uh, MVP will will uh, will cap this yeah. off with with uh, how it started, which is uh, seal it in wax. Calix the man.
0: I say, well we'll put a we'll put a bow on the Mariners talk. So I think. Well we'll check back in another twenty games or so yeah. and see see what they can do. Uh in the in the next twenty. Hopefully they're above five hundred by then. But uh I'll end it with this. If you really feel that strongly about it, Nigel Go ahead and lay a hundred stack on uh, <laughs> on Celtic on Celtic yeah. for MVP, and then I'll know that you're really yeah. about it. I don't even know if they're take, are they taking are they taking <laughs> yeah. taking bets on Celtic. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's giving. Yeah, yeah, it's pro- giving
1: crazy man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you could
0: probably get some get some real bands if you put it, if you put it down. So yeah, I should
1: I should have done it before the season started.
0: Well, I mean, I, I don't think I doubt the odds have moved that dramatically since then, but. So, we'll see if they can pull out the win tonight. We'll say that they're nine and eleven if they can and uh yeah. maybe we can check back in on how they are but i think I think over the you know you're playing a lot of national team national league teams right now, I think once they settle into a lot more American League play, some familiar foes, yeah, I think may's gonna be a month where you start to see them win two or three series in a row, and then it just takes off from there so
1: yeah, I
0: think may may's gonna be moving. Moving month for the Mariners. All right, and with that, we'll probably take a take a quick uh, take a quick break, and then we'll maybe jump into some NFL draft, NFL rumor mills in general, and a little bit about the Seahawks. Matt players, ballers, grinders. Yeah, I'm the real true pimp of the year. Will you feel me? ha <laughs> Yeah. Give it up, give it up, and give it to me. A Big Mac, large double deep, sink in this zone. So I'ma get sick with it. Or give me Drake and Bomb and let me get with it. Yeah, cause I'ma be the biggest drip of the year. Going around doing shit like this here. Cause a nigga is strong and wait too long when it comes to my ding dong. But bet I get a check when I sign on the dotted line. So now I know. Right, and now we are back with Bring Your Lunch Pail Unhinged. It's Luke and Nigel here, flying solo without Tanner. And now we're gonna start shifting gears, and we're gonna get into some NFL football. And this is pretty hot off the press. I think it was today, right? Yeah. That it came out that a handful of suspensions for players for gambling. I'm trying to remember all the names. Like I'm just kind of so the big
1: the big one is Jameson Williams
0: yes and so he only got a six game though yes and And do you hear why
1: yes because it had he wasn't betting on betting on football
0: no no he was college football oh yeah sorry college football. (laughs) yeah Yeah, he wasn't betting on it was still football football. but yeah Yeah. he wasn't betting on nfl football he was betting on college football but he was doing it at 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 the lions facility
1: which was most four of the five that got suspended were lions players correct I believe that I was...
0: Definitely Quintes Cephas. Cephas definitely is. And then, and like, then I think another safety like safety. And, like, and then yeah. like another... And then most of them, outside of Jameson... Outside of the two, Jameson Williams and, and like Cephas, Cephas, I don't really know. Yeah, I know. There, there I, are, don't either, but I don't either. I'm not going to say really? there are no names because that seems rude, but yeah. I, I didn't really recognize them. But yeah, you're right that at least three of them were Lions players. Yeah, I thought seems it was three
1: or four... Were Lions players there, so yeah. And two of them, so James Williams and one of the others. I'm not sure what the other name was. Were suspended for six games, and the rest were suspended for a year.
0: I saw indefinitely, it, which means well. And I it's, heard sorry,
1: say, it's indefinitely, but they can they can
0: much like Calvin Ridley. Yeah, like, like
1: Ridley, they can they can try to get reinstated after after one season. So suspended for a year, and I think the precedent now with Calvin Ridley's situation is that. Because it's their first offense, they probably will be reinstated. Assuming yeah, I, assuming that they weren't betting on their own games, I would say. Like, yeah, you know, I
0: think if that came out, yeah, then if, if the, that you came could out, then they could link it maybe, that they were trying to throw games. Which, in in general, it's like, even with Jameson Williams, it's like, that obviously seems like pretty, how you say, inconsequential. <laughs> Yeah, but like but, you know the rules, right? Yeah. well, that,
1: I mean, that's I think that's the thing. It's like you, it's it's the rules. Like I know I heard a, a lot of people saying like it's what does it matter? Like the NFL is in bed with FanDuel and and, and yeah, but you can't the, have them betting yeah, on NFL exactly. games. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Even if it's not a them, game you well, play in, you just you can't have them betting on games, especially at the facility. Like I think they can gamble out. Can they gamble outside of the facilities? I don't even yes. know. Yeah. Yeah, he's like saying. if
0: Jameson Williams would have went yeah, to the he, sports book yes, exactly. and placed yeah. a call a bet on Alabama exactly. then, he's then totally fine. Yeah.
1: But you know you know that you can't bet at the facility. Like you can't go to Lions the locker room, the Lions game and bet on Alabama to win the game, Jameson Williams. Yeah, which is why <laughs> so, like yeah. in
0: part of my and like part of me is like that seems so silly. Cause like I feel like I could just see the scenario like you're hanging out at the team facility probably sitting in a nice recliner with a million tvs in front of you watching it's like talking talking with your buddy like do you want i'm 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 gonna put yeah do you want you're right i do feel good about this like i'm gonna put some 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 action put some action on it and then it's like boom you busted like you're betting on you're betting on the NFL grounds, like, at your team facility, and that's a big no-no. Yeah. You should know that, so I get that side of it. But it's like, that seems silly. Guys betting on the NFL, even if it's not your own team, yeah. that does seem a little shady in my mind. Like, yeah,
1: you definitely can't.
0: Like, you can't gotta you gotta be better yeah. than that.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure these guys know. I'm sure it's it's told to them. You know, it's just the...
0: If it wasn't already, I feel like you're going to see it in hard knocks. <laughs> guarantee it. Like this new season of Hard Knocks, they're gonna throw in the clip where they're like all in the team room and the guys up there like do's and don'ts of gambling. Yeah, like you are legally allowed to gamble, right? Yeah. As so long we as just you're have not to not doing it. On this is how specific. you. This is how you can do it. This is how you can't do it. Yeah. At which, like, it's probably already happening. Like you would think that. Like you said, they're having these meetings. Yeah. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, i I know that they. I guess it's just like anything else, though. It's like all of us go through go through trainings at work in the workplace. And you go you go through the stuff, and hopefully you listen to it if you're a if you're a good student. And if you're not, then you do whatever the heck you want and and then you find out the consequences later. Which it sounds like these guys did.
0: Yeah, it just and seems so. like such a high stakes proposition. Yeah, these guys, you, it,
1: it seems pretty crazy that. That you would, I mean, a guy like Jameson Williams, like, he's a first-round draft pick, right? Mm-hmm. So. It was million, fifth, top 15. Million, making millions of dollars, and now you're cut and making zero dollars. Like, even. Yeah, I even think he'll guys be guys able to making, recover from this, but. Yeah, he'll be fine, but, like, even the guys who are quote unquote no names that we're talking about. Well Quintes
0: Cephas is a guy that like we both liked when he was at Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, and he he actually had a couple of good games the last few years. Yeah, like not last
0: year but the year, yeah, before, the year before I feel. He's like.
1: he's had a couple of good games in there. But so, he's
0: he's the type of guy that's good enough that he could still make a name for himself, but not good enough that you do something like this, this might just totally take you off the map.
1: Oh yeah. I would I would think There'll that be another
0: six five, six six receiver that like is more of a tight end than a wide receiver coming yeah. out any day now. <laughs> yeah, so, so, I'm if sure we'll see one drafted
1: in the first round in a week from now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, maybe not the first, but yeah, you never know. But yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what these guys were thinking, but clearly they weren't. And yeah, I mean, I think it's. Say, it seems like it's the right
0: punishment. Now, did did the Lions cut him too? I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything about I thought
1: that most of the guys had gotten
0: cut. I'm sure they would. Like yeah. you they're not good enough players that you could hold a roster spot for them. Yeah. Like you're not Calvin Ridley. Yeah. Like, you know, for as for as dumb as he was for getting caught yeah. doing his thing, like
1: And Jameson Williams is still like. Oh he's be, no, he's
0: fine. Like Yeah, but I'm saying is he is he cut though? I doubt it. Yeah. But he's He's a first-round pick, and he's only missing six games. Like, yeah. So he's probably plus. Fine. He's still like he he hardly even played last year. I'm sure they can even stomach it in their mind that yeah. it's like he could use another few weeks to recover and get to real hundred percent health.
1: Yeah, I, I'm looking at it now. He wasn't cut, so he's he's just suspended and not cut.
0: So yeah, I wouldn't expect him to get cut. But yeah. Those played. other guys, though, like.
1: Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, Hopefully he learns a lesson and uh, hopefully some of these other NFL guys. Luckily, they were talking about this on the radio today. Um, Ian Furness was talking about it, that we hopefully don't have to ever worry about that with the Seahawks because it's uh, in Washington State. If you're not aware, in order to place any sports bets, you have to be on a facility or on, yeah. a, on a tribal land facility where there's a casino. So there's no uh, no placing bets on FanDuel or anything from the from the locker room. You have to actually go out now. What, whatever they're doing with their bookies, that's uh, that's a whole stuff. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're sending text to their bookies, but I don't think that uh, they're going to have access to that. I'm guessing that since they are, you know, since the NFL is in bed with those sports sites, I wonder if they just outed them. <laughs> like, hey, you got James Jameson Williams has an account with us. And we have geolocated that he made placed sport placed a bet on a game. In That's what facilities. I feel like. Uh,
0: I think it was Mike Garafolo. I heard him on the radio today, basically saying that I don't even know if it's about the account. It's more just like, like ping in the yeah, the geolocation, IP, yeah, the geolocation, the yeah. IP address that it's like we know when when you're in the facility, we know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, like the NFL knows it. The NFL is tracking this. Yeah,
1: maybe that. Yeah, I guess that could be it. Too, like
0: maybe. the NFL is tra- like yeah, geo tracking. Like whose what? cell
1: phone is this? And someone in the Lions. Someone in your tr- facility is track. is yeah.
0: using a sports betting app. Yeah, and then you could just, like I said, dumb. It's dumb. <laughs> yeah, and I,
1: you know, I like what the Lions have been doing, but this seems like a very Lions thing. <laughs> you know like exactly it just it just screams detroit lions
0: yeah they're starting to scratch <laughs> yeah. the surface of being a, <laughs> yeah. a legit no, team and not hurt. a joke yeah. and then you know they got they got a few guys they get gets get name. pinged for yeah. for sports betting yeah um yeah. on a more positive note forgot about this one damar hamlin oh yeah
1: i did I that's did see that's that.
0: the other one yeah is that uh cleared to play and you see his little press conference talking about it
1: i i barely saw it i saw like a couple words of it pretty much but awesome news i mean
0: it's great news but i and you know i've heard a lot of conjecture around this and i think it's all fair is it like super great tease you know minus 1,000 to win comeback player of the year. And, like, that seems like a guarantee. Like, yeah. obviously, yeah. like, you know, Gino came back from mediocrity to be the best player. This guy <laughs> came back from being dead to just play again. So, like, that seems... You can
1: argue that Gino was probably in a similar
0: place. <laughs> yeah, his, his, career his career was, was his career was dead, place. not yeah. his body. Yeah. So, yeah. there's a difference. But, yeah. so, like, that's obviously great. But, like, I've heard a lot of talk around this is, like, I feel bad for DeMar Hamlin because I know he's wants to play. How how do you as a teammate, as a competitor against him, is like, I wouldn't want to hit him? Even though like from everything they've said it's like it's, you know, kinda like getting struck by lightning. Yeah. It's just like there's no game. underlying yeah. cause to this, like it's a freak thing getting like hit at the exact point.
1: Yeah. I'm sure it's it's going to be one of those things that you go, you know, first game, it's probably a little nerve-wracking, and then he'll go and make the first, you know, he goes and makes the first big tackle, and then it's like, okay, he's, you know. See,
0: I'm not even saying for him.
1: No, I know. Well, I'm, just I'm saying like, for
0: other people, like, yeah. even at practice. Well, and hopefully... I wouldn't want to be the guy that, tr- like, trucks him in practice.
1: Yeah, well, I... You should want to if you want to keep your job. So that's a good point. <laughs>
0: <You know? laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's fair. Is like you start yeah. you start playing, you strap him up, and you run yeah, around exactly. like you're not. Yeah, it, you picking know, out numbers. I'm guessing and... that
1: yeah, even in practice, it'll be the same thing. It's like you'll gain confidence in the fact that he's okay by watching him out on the field doing the things that he was doing before, and like, okay, he's he's not he's not a china doll. Like he's he's a grown man, and he's still out here. He's popping pads, and like. Seems like he's doing well. Yeah, so I, I hope he comes back and and is healthy. Obviously, that would that would not be a good look. And I'm sure that I'm sure that the NFL and all the independent doctors have uh, double, triple, quadruple, a thousand times checked in on his heart to make sure that there's zero chance. Because that's the last thing the NFL needs is to send the guy back out there and have a, have the same situation happen. So
0: yeah, I mean, if he's clear to play, yeah, you know, that doesn't come.
1: Yeah, I'm guessing that didn't come lightly. Like, I'm, I'm sure it took a lot of testing and and making sure that there's nothing irregular with his, you know, with his with his heart right now. Yeah, so,
0: in that same vein, is that uh, I'll just pick. It's, this. I mean, it's the
1: same thing with Erickson though, like the soccer yeah. player that he. But that's not
0: d- a contact sport though. Yeah, in the same way.
1: Yeah, but like, was the was his heart stopping a product of contact because like he jumped up afterwards and then like his heart stops <laughs> like you know so it it's i would say it's hard to say and i think it's less to do with this the contact that, that happened and more to do with probably just like some freak thing with his heart stopping you know sure I adrenal think- uh, like more like adrenaline and like like raised heart heart rate that causes that versus impact that caused that now, i'm not a doctor I do play one You're on TV. Not. <laughs> yeah, I do play one on TV, and I stand at a Holiday in Express last night. Uh, sponsor, please. Uh, but I think that they're guessing, or I'm guessing that that that's more of what they're assuming the situation is. Is that it's more a rare product of like a, a sped up heartbeat, or you know, like something from from being active versus impact. You know, but I, but I don't know.
0: Well, I don't think that's entirely true because they're saying is what, whatever it's called, like, uh, what is it? Something, carditis or whatever. It's literally getting impacted at a certain point in your heartbeat that stops your heart. Oh, really? Okay. That's what it is. And, uh, I've heard them talk about this. It's much more prevalent in kids, like four to 18. And it, there's not that many cases of it. It happens a lot more in youth baseball by kids getting hit
1: with the baseball. by the
0: baseball. Coming back. That money. it hits you at a certain moment in your heartbeat that causes your heart to stop. Gotcha. So that's what I'm saying with like Erickson. Gotcha. It's way different because it's not a contact sport. Like it literally was the contact at a certain point. Gotcha. That causes the heart to basically like hiccup. Gotcha for lack of a better term. Yeah. So like, is
1: that that's the scientific I, term for it? I, I'm also not a doctor, <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: but uh, <laughs> yeah. that's how I understand it. Gotcha. it and so well, his it's is con- like, obviously Erickson is like, you see that with marathon runners and stuff that like, you literally exhaust your heart so much that it like, it runs out Yeah, a little bit to yeah. a degree. But Demar Hamlin's is like literally caused by direct impact. Like I said, it's very, it happens way more in children Obviously, because they don't have as developed of systems. And then, yeah, you get drilled with, like, a a comeback or something in Little League Baseball. And it, like, causes your heart to, like, stop.
1: Either way, I'm guessing it's still very rare. And that they're probably pretty confident that it's not going to happen again, hopefully. So, good news that he's back. I hope the best for the guy, because... He, you know that was scary. Not not a fun situation. Yeah, for anybody. And so I, you know, I'm glad he's healthy. I'm Glad he's he's hanging out with uh, he's hanging out with Bi- the Biden family a couple weeks ago, and then he gets the good news that he's coming back. Like good good news for that guy. Like he
0: said, he, happy he, happy that he's back. He so. he said it. He said it in his press conference. He's like, I know this is really cliche, but he's like feels good that I could just wake up every day yeah I'm breathing it's like yeah I mean, what, I'm puts, sure that gives puts, you a, a hell of a
1: perspective on yeah life, it gives you some
0: you know? good perspective on life yeah. it's like you I think you said like I literally died on live television twice <laughs> yeah I'm like I'm still here today and now I'm cleared to play football like I don't know that's pretty cool so yeah yeah uh, go, go run go <laughs> the run Lord, to, sandwich
1: guy of the week <laughs> go run to
0: your bookie and put all of your money down the odds are not in your favor like you're you know, it's like negative twelve hundred.
1: But you're supporting at good cause.
0: But you're gonna win.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna yeah, win. Yeah.
0: So yeah. you know, just go ahead and put that. And if not, you know, maybe just go throw a couple couple hundred on Matt Stafford to become back player of the year. And <laughs> there you go, you got your <laughs> you got you had your bet right there. So there there's my certified gold uh, bet of the week.
1: All right. Moving on to uh, more draft related stuff and some of the prospects. Did you see the uh, the story that was going on with um,
0: with CJ Stroud this week? I did about the Manning Pass.
1: Yeah, the Ma- passing so,
0: academy. Or-
1: yeah, exactly. So I don't know all the details. I think you know a little more than, than me, but I'll I'll give the quick rundown of it. That apparently he was invited to the Manning Passing Academy, is that right? And then and then didn't show up to it. And yeah, so- it
0: seems like there's conflicting reports because yeah. there are some. You know, sources close to sources say he had agreed to be a part of it. He was on the roster, and then basically no showed. Snub the Mannings and there's the others.
1: Princes of the NFL. How and then
0: there's mean? others that say
1: he, yeah, he had never he had really never, a, yeah, never agreed, agreed to be agreed a part of it,
0: it, and maybe toyed around with the idea, and then yeah. ultimately decided to work out with his team, his teammates and stay at Ohio State instead.
1: Yeah. What I saw on it too is that I think it was Brady Quinn had mentioned it in like some podcast mm-hmm. and of course just like everything it's like he said one statement about it and then it's like that statement gets cut and played on on all the national I, I listened was, to
0: Brady he, Quinn he was on Dan Patrick today Okay. and they had a lengthy conversation okay. about it.
1: Yeah, I just saw that he was like listen to the whole podcast and then there, you'll yeah. understand the context like I did say that, but if you listen to the rest of it, I didn't say anything about his character, and I didn't...
0: Yeah, he more, if you listen to the context, he does more phrase it in the sense that it's like, now's the time where people are trying to find things that they can, like, chip away, because you're stacking everybody up against each other. So, I have heard, here is something that people are kind of chipping at C.J. Stroud for. Yeah. I have watched his tape. I know him. I've talked to him. He's great. I think he's the second best quarterback and should be the second overall pick. Like, XYZ, I'm just giving you an example of what somebody might use to try to, like, critique the guy on. Sure. I don't believe this. Yeah. Because XYZ, I've watched the tape, here's what I see, this is what I think about him yada 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 yeah it gets taken out of context it was actually a pretty interesting interview when dan patrick because he's obviously the master yeah he's kind of lecturing him that it's like you know because brady's like well listen to the whole clip and it's just like it's not how it works you know better exactly you know better than this like that's not and like why bring it up why bring that up like unless you're going to basically stand behind it yeah so like it he didn't say this, but it's like you. It kind of comes across as like shady because you're sure you're telling me that you don't believe in it, but you're still using it.
1: Yeah. And you know
0: so, people are going so to... it from that perspective, it's interesting. Yeah, he's, he's I have a conspiracy bus, on that. Yeah. I have a conspiracy on that, and we'll transition this into some draft talk, some strict draft talk here, and use this <laughs> moment to kind of bridge it. But I still think the Colts are dead set on Will Levis. I felt that from the beginning, even from the early mock drafts, talking about them trading up to number one, which obviously seems unlikely now. Yeah. This seems like something, though, that the Mannings would put out because it's the Manning Pass Academy, the Colts. Yeah. Because they want C.J. Stroud to slide to number four so they can pick him. <laughs> That's my conspiracy. <laughs> I mean... Is it, like, is it like, why, why would this come out right now? It's because... Peyton Manning who is close with Ursay and the Colts like it's I don't the, think you'd be hurting a little, if a little biscuit <laughs> if CJ Stroud yeah, yeah. if CJ Stroud is available even if they like Will Levis it's like Raiders do you want to move up and get CJ Stroud at four we'll move back and still take Levis
1: yeah
0: but it's like we want to create this kind of dynamic and or maybe they do just like CJ Stroud yeah and they're like Let's just see if we can work something in that will we make him we, slide. We find a way to get. Him. Now, having said all that, I don't actually think this Manning Passing Academy is going to be what makes him drop down. It's probably more. Have you heard that that SR two test or whatever? Yeah, I heard. I think I that's what it's it. called. I,
1: yeah, I heard, I heard about this. Which is this like? It's like the new. It's the new Wonderlic, the except new Wonderlic. I think
0: it's actually but. The wonderlick is more like an IQ test. Yeah. And I think this, I think it's, is it SR2? It's, S- it's SR2,
1: I think. Is it,
0: it. It's, hi- it's the Highway 2 test. <laughs> <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, it's the Highway 2 test. Is that, you know, this is more, I feel like, reactionary. It's more about, like, quick processing. Gotcha. And at least, like, I've seen at least one tagline on it. Because I I don't have that much knowledge about what kind of questions are actually asked. But I've heard, or at least seen, you know, on the internet, that it's like, scoring 100%... It's
1: just S2 test.
0: Okay, it's just... I like SR2. Yeah. (laughs) But scoring 100% on it, nobody's like, well, that means you're going to be great. But if you score 0% on it, we know you're not going to be great. So it's kind of more like you know it's like uh conditioning right yeah you run it you make you make you make the kids run a bunch of sprints on day one of practice because the people that don't want to be there will just go home yeah so if you score really poorly on the s2 test you can't play if you score really well well that's fine that does like that doesn't tell me that you're better than your competitor it just means that you're like you're here to play yeah and so that's kind of so and he scored really horribly he got like a 18 percent on it gotcha so that's kind of the idea i think with that test is like you scored at a level that says you can't play the position now like bryce young had like a perfect score does that mean he's necessarily better no but it's like yeah and you you not every
1: team uses this test i've i've long been a a hater, I guess, of of this in mostly in my, my professional life of, like, these cognitive tests like this because I think it just, like, pigeonholes people and not everyone does things the same way. It's like...
0: Well, I still think at the end of the day, it's like with anything is that, not to go down a whole different rabbit hole, but standardized testing in general, there are people I would consider myself in this. I'm really good at... I'm a really good test taker. Yeah. Does that make me smarter or more qualified than somebody else who takes the same test absolutely no
1: (laughs) but (laughs) yes absolutely
0: but no but it's like some people are really good at taking tests other people who are really smart just aren't good at taking like they freeze up and i just i just
1: don't think it tells the whole story exactly it's it's, it's really exactly it's like like, that's why so when you like i think that there's teams there's teams that have been using these tests for a long time scoring really well on it might say something it might not scoring really poorly on it might say something it might not and so that's that's what I think those that's the, kind of the like
0: the quick reaction I get from it is like I said it said they don't put a lot of weight in scoring well in it they put a lot of weight in not scoring well yeah like if you have a horrible horrible score that's a red flag you have a really good score you're not gonna be like well we have to pick this guy yeah like it's not used for that like I said it's like conditioning it's used to weed out players. Yeah. They're like, you scored so poorly, we don't trust you. You score average, great, that's fine. That's all we ask. Yeah.
1: I, I still think that when it comes to, it's like, I can understand those tests for, let's say, the the bottom end people, or like the lower, like if you're looking at seventh round quarterbacks and you're like, we're gonna pick a guy because we need a roster spot and like this guy scored better on that and like all other things are the same like maybe that's maybe that's what pushed you over the top but i'd say for top end guys like you're you're looking at the tape more and like your personal interviews with them more than like what they did on a standardized test i think like yeah i think though
0: to only push back on that a little bit that i would think that at the top of the draft is that that's why you try to use a test like this and i'm not trying to be like a complete advocate because i know so little about this test yeah but the i've idea... never heard of it until
1: this is also my point myself included i hadn't heard of this until the last two days i guess and i think probably most people haven't heard of this test yeah, until the enough. last week or two and so but it has been
0: used for a while it's been yeah it's getting it, it's certain... gaining by certain yeah, teams and stats. it's gaining more
1: popularity, and like, yes, it's been around for a little while. Just like the, the, um, the Wonder League, been around for a long time. But I think that I just think that these teams aren't basing like you can't base everything on on a standardized test. Like that's just
0: fair. But I think I think the one thing that resonates with me is that the idea of the test, as far as I understand it, is as opposed to like the wonder which is more like an IQ test which obviously like what the hell does that have to do with playing quarterback or football in general is quick processing and decision making Yeah. under pressure which is like basically the main characteristic of playing quarterback like what do I care about the S2 test of Bijan John Robinson I don't what do I care about it what do I care for Jackson Kirkland playing left guard? Well, it's still, I don't.
1: It's still the same. I mean, you're, you're
0: but the, still but making the, quick decisions. But the, in... but, but the importance of your quick decisions under pressure obviously are way different for a quarterback than literally any other position on the field. Yeah. There's so much more at stake, like obviously, yeah. for that player that like, as much as I was just saying that about standardized testing in general and it's kind of not fair – there is some validity for the quarterback position solely that it's like you kind of are the one, though, that has to be the guy that can take a test under pressure because that's literally every snap in the NFL. You have that's to true. be able to read the field and make a quick decision about how you're going to answer the equation, basically. Yeah,
1: yeah. I still think that the your answers to the that test are in the tape more than the tape of them playing. More so than what they did on a cognitive test, yeah, and so building <laughs> like, and so building
0: into that, as I will say, is that like switch a gear slightly away from the s two test is why I'd say is that score for c j Stroud in my mind only validates what I already thought, which is why I, like I'm probably piggybacking on it <laughs> a bit, is that I don't think he's very good
1: i now that's a whole different story. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. I'm, I'm I mean, going to transition there. Is that hey, I don't
0: think he's very good, and that's just Ohio State quarterbacks in general.
1: Yes, I and that I don't disagree with. I thought that that C.J. Stroud has been a bit overrated this entire process, but he does have that Georgia game that like he looked incredible in. So yeah, in that's the big, in the big, undeniably moment, great tape. Yeah, in the big moment when the pressure was the largest and he's going against the best defense that he's ever faced, he had his best game. He was dialed. Exactly. He was dialed and he made great decisions and was was really on point. And they should have so, won probably. Yeah, exactly. They probably should have and could have won that game when I didn't even think they had business being in that game because he played so poorly leading up to that point. It, like Multiple games at the end of the season where he was – he didn't look like a superstar. Yeah, Michigan pushed his shit in. Yeah, exactly. Michigan. And Northwestern. Yeah, and Northwestern. <laughs> and I think the week before that, like, is it Maryland or something? Like, they had a couple games. No, I one. think
0: Maryland, they hung 50 on. Well, there, one of those games. It could be wrong. Down
1: but... at the end of the year there. They, like, there were the last four or five games of the year, he didn't look that impressive. Up until that Ohio State game. He looked, Or Georgia game. Or sorry, Georgia game. He looked incredible. He looked like. He looked like the best quarterback in yeah. in the league, <laughs> or in college football, outside of Michael Penix. But
0: duh, go
1: Um So I, we'll see. You know, I I don't think ultimately I don't think he slips outside of the top five. So regardless of what happened on this test, I think he'll still be picked. In the so top with team. that in mind, definitely in the top ten.
0: So top with team. that in mind, let's just. Roll right into Seahawks predictions.
1: Yeah, good idea.
0: So I'll give a quick hypothetical and then we can talk about picks that we actually think the Seahawks are going to make. So it seems like, and I've done some ESPN like mock draft things or whatever, and it seems like a lot of drafts seem pretty centered around the idea that, like, obviously, before the Seahawks pick, there's a good chance three quarterbacks are going to be taken in will anderson right yeah although there's been a lot of talks now that the texans aren't interested in drafting a quarterback which is pretty shocking so i heard that though so let, let's do a quick hypothetical let's say <laughs>
1: yeah, a quick hypothetical why wouldn't texans not be interested in drafting a quarterback
0: <laughs> so i'll keep this short is that i actually don't even think it's that crazy of an idea compared to what I hear a bunch of people say is that it's like, so Bryce Young is going to go one
1: mm-hmm.
0: by all accounts, right? You have two with the Texans, and we're going to say they're not going to draft a quarterback. Okay, And then you have, th- so we'll just skip past them real quick. Three, you have the Cardinals who also aren't going to take a quarterback unless they trade out of that pick to somebody who does want to pick a quarterback, right? Yeah. But let's just say that there's no trading. Much like we talked about podcast week one, right? Before Jalen Carter was involved in a car accident resulting in deaths. You have two quarterbacks going there. Honestly, if you're like a lot of people like Bryce Young, I still have my reservations. We just said a bunch about CJ Stroud. So who are the other guys? Will Levis? So so you either like CJ Stroud. Or you don't, and then it's Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Yeah. You know how I feel about Anthony Richardson, so I'm gonna kinda recuse myself from being like they should take him. Cause like I don't even know if I believe that. But if you're D'Amico Ryans, who just came from the 49ers, do you want one of those guys, or do you want Will Anderson who you think can maybe be your Nick Bosa for your team? Like, I don't think it's that crazy. Like, that D'Amico Ryan's like I don't you feel that.
1: You, you still need, well.
0: You, need you still a lo- need a quarterback. You need a lot of things, though. Yeah, you still need a quarterback. But we've talked about this before. Like, the 49ers is like, if your team is that good, they took Brock Purdy with the last pick and they were good. Yeah. So if you're D'Amico Ryan's, I would think you'd come out of that being like, you're right, we do need a quarterback. But
1: we're going to build Davis that. Mills isn't
0: that horrible.
1: Yeah. I'm not that I, big of a fan. I think fan Davis of him. Mills is actually a He's decent
0: quarterback. okay. Yeah. So it was like, we got to start somewhere, and we need we need a Nick Bosa type. We need. I'm gonna. I'm a defensive minded coach. We're gonna build this up from the defense. We will get a. They're gonna be right back in the top five next year, no matter who they pick. True. So you can go right back in and get a quarterback next year, whether it's Drake May or Caleb Williams. Yeah, like you're gonna be right there again. Yeah. But if you feel strongly, it's like Will Anderson. Like that's my Nick Bosa type. So that's how I would say it's like I don't think it's that crazy realistically. Cause honestly, I like Anthony Richardson. I'm not that sold on any of these quarterbacks.
1: Yeah,
0: especially at two. So especially at two. Like, yeah. I like Anthony Richardson. But would I take him at two? Hell no. I'd take Will Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Like if the Seahawks were there, like you yeah. take like you take Will Anderson. Yeah. So with this hypothetical in mind, we'll say that. Rice Young goes one, Will Anderson goes two. Let's say Jalen Carter or uh was it Tyree Wilson goes three to the Cardinals. Yeah. And then let's say CJ Stroud, or let's say Will Levis goes four. Seahawks are sitting at five. Do they take CJ Stroud? After everything we just said? There's no Jalen Carter. Or maybe Jalen Carter is still there, or Tyree Wilson.
1: I, well, I have said this for a while. I don't think the Seahawks are taking a quarterback at that pick, regardless of who's available there. So.
0: See, I still think they are. I think it depends on who's there.
1: Yeah, I don't, I mean, if it goes into what you are just saying, if none of those guys are good enough to go at two, then why would the Seahawks want them at five? You know, it's,
0: because the Seahawks are in a different position than the Texans. They're a playoff team that has a fifth overall pick. Yeah, but you're a play. You're, All those other you're te-
1: a playoff team that could make a pick that could push you into a Super Bowl contender. And quarterback is not going to be that pick that pushes you there. Quarterback, quarterback is going to. That's a that's a pick for your future. But do you think you could you could go if you get Jalen Carter or or uh what's the the guy from Texas A and M, whichever one's Ty left Wilson. there, Tyree Wilson. If you take the, whoever's left there, both of those positions are huge positions of need for you. And if either of those guys are what they're they're built to be, then then that pushes you into into maybe that next level of Super Bowl contender.
0: Well and quarterback definitely two, is not. Two thoughts on that is that one is so I I hear what you're saying, but I would say first off is it t- that Texas A&M Tyre Wilson. I already said this before. Can't have two defense players from Texas A&M. He seems still more like a project, like close to done project probably, but like he's more high ceiling. Like obviously, like especially compared to Will Anderson.
1: I've seen the I've seen a couple mock drafts with, or most of the mock drafts I've seen it. He's gone in front of Jalen Carter. I've seen that too. And so,
0: but but again, I guess my second point to all of this is: Do you actually think even Jalen Carter, who like I do think the Seahawks are going to pick at five? Yeah,
1: if Jalen Carter's there, the Seahawks will take him at five.
0: I think so too. I think that's a guarantee. But even him, I'd still think because I I know what my answer is: is that Jalen Carter. Let's say he's the best defensive lineman and let's say he's the best player in the draft. Let's just, like, look into the crystal ball and say what he was supposed to be coming in, yeah. the best player, and we get him at fifth overall. Do you really think that that makes the Seahawks a Super Bowl contender next season? Yeah. You think that? Yeah. Even, because like I said, I'm, I guess part of me is I'm just a Geno hater to a degree. <laughs> is that, Do you really think that that one player... Like, I still think the Seahawks, obviously... Exceeded some expectations. I don't think they're one player away from being now. Obviously, they have more draft picks, yeah. so they can round out other parts of it.
1: Yeah, and I think I think that is a very large part of the, the puzzle. Though it's like if you get, I think him or or an edge guy. It if it's if it's um what's his, I, I don't know why I keep forgetting his name. Tyree Wilson. It's Tyree Wilson. I think either one of those guys like if they can if they can be be the dudes that you want them to be, then I think that they're I
0: just don't think they have more picks, so it's obviously not so singular. I just don't think that even Jalen Carter, who I think by all accounts, aside from off field issues and some conditioning questions, like I said if we look at the crystal ball and he is the best player, I don't know that him alone is what's going to make the Seahawks go from being a playoff team that loses in the first round to a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Just him. Now, you have enough draft picks that in conjunction with him, maybe it changes pretty quickly. Yeah. That I don't think that it's that crazy of an idea to still think that it's like, like I said the entire time, if you have a guy that you grade out like Josh Allen and you see him there, you have to take him. You're right that he's not going to make you more of a Super Bowl contender next season, but he might the year after.
1: Yeah. Now, kind of a sidebar here, but did you did you hear the the thing that um that John Schneider said the other day when they interviewed him about the draft process and he's like, "You know, we seem to just do better when we when we just pick the best player that there is." You know, I do not I do you know, not see that. Yeah, but. He he said that the other day in the in the interview, um, I think it, I, just like the pre-draft interview, but that was the, the quote he said. He's like in the past we've like picked guys for need or pick guys, you know, like to fill needs and holes that we have, and we've picked guys that are just the best player. And in, historically we just do better when we pick the best player available. And do you want that? I love that because that just that just brings us back to the guy that we said weeks ago Bijon. that I love, and that's Bijan Robinson. Yes,
0: I actually He's think
1: skyrocketing up draft boards. I feel like right now, and that is
0: the guy that I feel like. I think you trade back. Yeah, like, but not that far. Like no, like three or four picks. Yeah, like, yeah you're like, still in the top ten. Yeah, exactly. You got to stay in maybe the top Caroli- ten. Maybe Carolina. Maybe Carolina.
1: Yeah, if you can go back, or like, not Carolina, the Bears. If you can go back like two or three picks, something like that.
0: Maybe the Bears want to move up, and or get the Jay Raiders
1: want to move up, and, like so seven. You swap seven five. Like something no, I, like that. Like, I love that. That is. That seems like the. And then you get another second round pick or something, late first round, early second round pick out of that too, that you can continue to bolster. Maybe you trade back up into first round. Like that's getting into a whole bunch of hypotheticals there, but like that seems like because I I think it's pretty much consensus at this point that like Bijan Robinson is the most talented player. I say I in the draft.
0: Maybe maybe I can throw some receipts in here when uh when I cut this up but we said this in the very first episode yeah that Bijan by all accounts is the best player in this draft yeah his position just doesn't dictate that he gets picked that high but I still stand by that is like if you feel that strongly about a player you don't you I still think they could probably trade back a couple spots but like you don't toy around with it. Yeah. You don't move out. It's like, this is the best player. Just get him. Just go get him. Yeah. And I still think that that it's like Bijan. And we talked about this yesterday. I say is like the more they talk about him, and like we kind of know this. We don't know all of it because we obviously can't watch film of that practice. But like a lot of guys are saying, like they see a lot more Debo in him.
1: Yeah.
0: He's a legitimate yeah. receiving he can, threat. He can catch he, out of the back. He wants he to line up in the slot the... too. And like he can run routes. And so you got, kind of get a two for one. Yeah. You need a receiver too. So, yeah. like, and Ken Walker and him, like, I think, I yeah. said, Bijan is still, I think you have to take Jalen Carter if you've done if, your homework and you've decided that. If Jalen Carter's there
1: at five, you take him.
0: You could always move up two from 20 because you have those two second round picks. Yeah. That if you feel like you need to move up, I think, it, I still think in a perfect world, it's Jalen Carter at five, or Anthony Richardson if he slips. Because I still think that that's a real possible. If he's there, at see, five, I think
1: that if your scenario that you're saying plays out, where some of these court like Texans aren't taking a quarterback, like you might be able to
0: get more. Well,
1: well you, yeah, you more might capital be, for yeah, you, no, you might no, you might be able to get. Um, you might be able to get um, Anthony Richardson at like your twenty, or move up a couple picks.
0: No, I don't think Anthony Richardson is going to go that far at this point.
1: I if if those top 5 guys or if the top 4 in front of you aren't taking three quarterbacks, like I think things are going to start to slip after that. Like
0: yeah, but even the, even the Texans have another pick around like 12, I think. So they might not take a quarterback with number 2, but if a guy like Anthony Richardson slips, I don't know that they'll let him go again.
1: Well, that maybe you take Will Levis there, though, too. Will Levis is going there. to the Colts at four. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Stroud, then.
0: Yeah. If you think you don't
1: have to pick him at two and you can get him at 12. I still
0: think Vegas might be in on a quarterback if one slides. So I, I don't know. But yeah. I still think, to, to put a ball on that, I still think Bijan. Bichon... Yeah. It, bottom line is, I think
1: if... 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 Um, um, Jalen Carter is there at five. I think the Seahawks take him. Because I think, I think that Bijan and Jalen Carter are the most, the, probably the two, when you started the draft process. Yeah, they're 1-2 in talent. They're 1-2 in talent. And so if Jalen Carter's there, he fills a bigger need for you. And he's 1-2 in talent, so you take him. But if, Bijan, if he's gone, I think you try to take Bijan. Because he's the next most talented guy, I'm a hundred percent in on that. And so, so you go and take it. Like I, I think it's a, and you you also because I, I think most Seahawks fans like hate this idea. I love it, obviously. I know you love it. Like I feel like everyone hates this idea. It's just like when we drafted Walker last year, everyone's like, "Why would we draft a running back? That's a horrible idea." Well, look at look at your running back committee right now. You have you have nobody. One, yeah, you have a one in Walker. And then you have a three at best in DJ Dallas and, and then nobody you' have over.
0: No oh yeah, you're probably right. Yes. I was going to say because we did get the one guy, but he's probably gone the kick returner.
1: <laughs> yeah I, I mean nobody. so yeah
0: yeah. so you
1: actually need a running back. you need to draft one in this draft at some point. yeah like, that's on point. your board. like you ha- that's a spot of need. And so why not pick the one that's the most talented most pound for pound talent in the draft. So I I I love Bijan. I think I mean I think we would be really spoiled to have him. So I I think to for our guesses here for the pick 5, I would say if Jalen Carter is there, he's the he's the pick and if not, it's Bijan whether that's you take him at five or you trade down a spot or two because someone wants a quarterback and, you, and then you take him a few spots later. So that's my that's my yeah, prediction. Yeah, I'm with that.
0: Pick. I'm going to throw in my wrinkles that I still think, because I'm sticking by what I said from the beginning. If Because it seems like his uh, stock dictates this now. If Anthony Richardson's there at five, I think he's who we take no matter... Who is there? Jalen Carter can be there. That's fine. I think AR 15, I think the Seahawks are, I think that's where they'll go. I don't think he's going to be there. Yeah.
1: I, obviously, I've been on the AR 15 bandwagon too, so I wouldn't be upset to see it.
0: So, but I think, uh, and then, yeah, I think, I think they, I still think though, Bijan's got to be a guy they got to try to find a way to pick. I don't know how that looks exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I think because there's, they said, it's always hard to do draft picks like project or guesses because there's always just so much trading that can happen. Yeah. Especially with the Seahawks. But I could see a million different scenarios, like I said, where they move back from five and then they pick Bijan. Or maybe they pick somebody and then they use their 20th pick and some second round picks to move up. Or maybe yeah. they just move back again. Yeah. Like, I've seen a lot of Bijan going, like, top 15 lately on mock drafts. But, you know, a few weeks before that, he wasn't going earlier than the back end of the first round. So maybe that's what ends up happening and the Seahawks just jump into the back end of the second round yeah. and pick them, Or they just get him at 20. Or they go something completely different. <laughs> you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's kind of a crapshoot, but those are definitely the names that I have circled. And then to put a bow on bow on all of this too, is that it sounds like he has some first round cachet, but if you're not in the quarterback market at number five, we've said it before, I still think Hendon Hooker is a name to look at. Even at twenty, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think he's I think he's more of a I I still think that this the Seahawks if they get Hendon Hooker, it'll be at twenty or they'll come back into the first round to get him. Yeah. And trade you know trade their picks, um, but we'll see we'll see on that one. But I, I do like Hendon Hooker as a as a potential guy. Okay, so we've hammered out we've hammered out our our fifth overall pick here. and we got a general consensus. I'm going. Jalen Carter slash Bijan. You're going you're going uh with uh Anthony Richardson
0: straight up. Well I mean I think I agree with exactly what you're saying, other than if AR fifteen's there, I move him at the top of the list. Gotcha. So, so my easy. guess, I just don't think he's gonna be there, but I agree with what you're saying that assuming AR fifteen is taken before the fifth overall pick, it's Jalen Carter, most likely assuming he's there yeah
1: if he's there i think he's gone
0: and then if not i think i still think i don't know if it's what find a way to get i don't know if it's what will happen but it's what i want to happen is that they will trade back and get Bijan. okay so now let's jump to the
1: 20th pick here real quick get our final predictions here i'll i let off with that one so why why don't you go with your uh well, I still thing?
0: think Bijan could be could
1: potentially be there could okay. be
0: a pick there okay, and then I'm gonna go a little i think counter counter culture on this one is I still think that at that twentieth pick, let's just say they stick with it and they don't move around
1: okay, so let's say they're picking a r fifteen with the fifth pick.
0: it could be any of those guys any, okay, so that's the, why that's why okay. like.
1: Who's, I, so who who's your, who's your 20?
0: It obviously depends on who gets picked. I still think that 20th pick is primed for a corner. Because there's so many corners in it. Yeah. So Joey Porter Jr. Love that. Would be a good one. I still think Keely Ringo. I think Love he's kind of graded out a little later. You know, graded out a little later. I still think Keely Ringo, though, is...
1: Yeah, I think he's a... He's a great option. And
0: he might not be a superstar, but he strikes me as the top. Like, you already have a potential. You have your high ceiling guy in... In Enrique, In rig. So, like, just go get a guy like Keely Ringo, who can just be, like, your day one steady Eddie top performer still, yeah. though. I... Or it could be the kid from Maryland. Uh, is it, like, Deontay Banks or something like that? um yeah there's a lot of really good corner
1: banks devin witherspoon
0: yeah he'll probably christian
1: gonzalez yeah
0: so like i think i think it's a deep position for this draft and i think the seahawks i think they might be a little more tempted to get a top corner and just solidify that i hear richard sherman saying that he hasn't confirmed that pete's going back to Lob days and going back to 4-3, 4-3, three, cover-3 three base type defense, so he you also, need your pieces. He
1: also, I I heard this too, that he's a, that Sherman is a big Keely Ringo fan. Of course he is, because he's from Tacoma. Exactly. Man. They used and to that's work what, out together. And that's, yeah, that's what I was, I mean, that's what I was just going to get to, is that he, Keely Ringo, for all you listeners that don't know this, is, he played at Georgia, but he is from Tacoma, and so he's worked out at, like, Ford Sports and stuff with, with Richard Sherman, and so and he's I think he's a similar, similar type of guy, realistically, to Richard Sherman too. Oh, well, he's a little like, smaller. A Little smaller, but he's still, you know, similar like style of play. I'd say
0: he's so a guy too that they said he's long arms. Like no, he's got short arms. Does he have short arms? Yes, that's the big knock on him right gotcha. now, Because okay. he has short arms. Is that you know the Seahawks only draft guys with thirty-two inch arms, and he's at thirty-one and a quarter.
1: Mm.
0: He's one of those guys that they've already said is that like. A lot of people kind of question, and they say it's like, could have a uh, Rod Woodson slash Charles Woodson type career, is oh, you play you corner, yeah. you play corner early, and then you move to safety. Yeah,
1: yeah, I would heard that too.
0: So, but I think the Seahawks, clearly they covet that kind of versatility in a guy. So, I still think he's, I think Keely Ringo might be my my 20 pick, just because I think he has the highest probability of being available there out of the dbs we just mentioned i think joey porter jr is going to go sooner i'd like him too but i think he's going to get picked mid-teens yeah and i think keely ringo will be there at 20 you might even be able to move back a few spots maybe if somebody wants hendon hooker which i also like that pick yeah if you don't have ar-15 but maybe somebody really wants him, wants Hendon Hooker, so you get a haul of picks. You move back four or five spots, and you still get Keeley Ringo, the guy you wanted. So yeah. that's who I'm kind of liking is cornerback in general. I'll put Keeley Ringo as the name down.
1: Okay, I am gonna go here with um, a couple. I mean, there's there's definitely a few guys, a few that you mentioned, obviously like. Bijan could could be a guy there still. I like Joey Porter Junior. Porter a lot. Uh, I'm gonna go. Let's go under the assumption that uh, we pick. I guess if if the Seahawks are taking Jalen Carter, then this doesn't this doesn't come into play. But if they don't take him, then I'm gonna uh, Then I'm gonna go with Kalijah Kansas <laughs> because it, next best interior D lineman, huge need. Obviously. I like it. For the team, so he, i say take both of them. <laughs> why not? No, I think I think I would say yes to that if we didn't already have uh, Reed and and uh, Jones Grandma. Coming. Yeah, then I would say do that. But um, because that's not the case, um, I think one. I think a first round d tackle is a good choice though. So if we don't get, um, if we don't get. Him uh, at the top in the draft, I think Kalija Cansey would be a good one, and then let's. I, I the other one that has kind of been speaking to me recently is uh, Miles Murphy, Clemson guy. Yeah, who we kind of mentioned early in the draft. I think like early in the draft process, a lot of people had him in the top five, and he's kind of he's moved down people's lists a little bit, and so I think that's another guy that you could. I wouldn't mind seeing there just because I think he's a, a solid DN type for, you know, had a top end first round grade It's slipped a little bit, but I think he not necessarily because he ha- has had horrible numbers. He just hasn't popped off either. The, the other one, the other one, I'll go one more just for fun. I don't think he's going to be available, but I'm just going to say it again since we said it before. Nolan Smith. Yeah. From Georgia. <laughs> if he's, if he's there somehow, Still, because he's kind of late teens, early 20s, I feel like, on a lot of draft boards. I would love to see him be a Seahawk. That guy I think he's probably going to be the best edge rusher in the class, and he's probably going to be a late late first round type of guy, and he'll probably end up being the best of the bunch. Maybe outside of Will Anderson.
0: Yeah, he definitely seems like a splashy pro- project or yeah. prospect, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, I like that. So, All right. So we'll we'll probably try to do another recording a week from today right right after probably by the time I record it'll probably be second and third rounds will be picked so we can pick it up from there but I think I think those are some names to look out for well yeah. like I said the whole draft process, process such a crap shoot that like I hope I hope we pick some guys that I like but you know if I didn't say their name right now, it doesn't mean we don't like them. Because I think there's yeah, there's plenty of guys. To there's play. plenty of guys. I could, but... name,
1: I could go through this entire list of top fifty prospects, and there's good things to say about each of them. Yeah, it, it, like a lot of them you've seen before if you watch college football.
0: All right, and we're back with our last segment. If you're still with us, I don't know why you would leave with all this hot content, but um, Nigel and I have talked about this for a while, and so it seems like it's long overdue. Considering this is episode seven, we haven't talked a single bit about Husky Athletics,
1: which is insane, honestly. At all, like, it's the it's really like it's what incredible. I care about most. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy that we've like. Somehow managed to escape this for, for this long. Uh,
0: so that comes to an end right now.
1: Yeah, that comes to an end right now. We're uh, we're gonna we're gonna start with talking about Husky basketball. Uh, the season's over now. Basketball season is yeah.
0: So you over won't have now. to hear about it for another <laughs> six <laughs> yeah. months.
1: But we've got man so much so much negative things to say. <laughs> yeah, and some positives so. too. There's there's a little bit of. There's a little bit of positives in here too, but man, uh, this Husky basketball team has just been a disappointment the last couple of years. And I, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you start it off, Luke. But um, I guess yeah, there's just so, just so much dysfunction going on. Here I guess right now, it's just like, and I, I don't know what to think about
0: it. The team, the team, the last couple of years, I feel like has just looked exactly the same, even with different players. Yeah, is that When they look good, they look really good, but in general, they start out slow, and then they kind of start to find some rhythm as the season goes on. But then it's usually too little, too late, and also at the end of the day, at least by the way that they've performed in the Pac-12 tournament the past couple years, they're really not good enough to be something like the big moments. They're not like you think Oregon State a couple years ago. When, you know, they were a horrible seed in the Pac-12 tournament, won it all, and then actually made it pretty far. Yeah, they
1: made to the, they elite, to the eight? elite
0: Eight. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So, like... They, we're not that guy, pal. No. We're not that guy. No. But you do see... You, you see some spurts of good basketball come from them, but the consistency... It's just, well, they're consistently mediocre, I guess, is the problem.
1: Yeah, they went 16-16 this year. So, the definition of mediocre, really. Yeah. And I know a part of that is a bit of the product of the nature of college basketball now. That you have transfers coming in and out all over the place. And so, and I know that that's been a big thing for Hopkins, that we're we're bringing in new new guys every year and and new faces and guys are transferring out. And so and, and for those of you who don't pay much attention to basketball, the Huskies play a unique style of defense that that is not very not it's a common thing but not the way they play it in their 2-3 zone. It's a very like unique style of defense.
0: Yeah, yeah. although I mean honestly, it's like So not to jump around too much, but, you know, obviously it's the Syracuse 2-3 zone. Exactly. But even, you know, like, there's going to be a lot of shit talking of Hopkins as we move in on this conversation. But it should be noted, if we're just going to go right back to the beginning, is that, like, he's two-time Pac-12 coach of the year. Yeah. And the impact he's had by bringing his style of 2-3 zone defense... You see it a lot across the Pac 12. Prior to Hop coming in with his defense, not a lot of teams played any bit of 2 3. And I feel like now you see it all the time. Yeah. Especially against the Huskies. And maybe some of that is because (laughs) they know. (laughs) Despite
1: the fact that the Huskies uh, play against a team that don't practice every single day, they happen to be. not very effective at uh, scoring oh, their own it's cause they can't, defense. It's
0: because they can't shoot.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, I don't want to get too much into Exodus notes because I'm definitely not the person to do it, but 2-3 zone kind of lends to, um, the, like, the way to beat the 2-3 zone is to be a good shooting team. because you're, Although,
0: to put a slight caveat on that, the way that Hop in the Syracuse 2-3 zone works is they actually press the wings a lot harder? That's true. But conventionally, yes, yeah. like you, you could shoot your way out of a two-three zone. Shoot your
1: way out of it because even if you press the wings, you can pass the ball inside to the top of the key, and they can pass it back out to the wing again. Create space hit, and, and then create space, and then and then you can hit a shot. But the, but the Huskies
0: though is it like even I said. This is unhinged bring your lunch pail. So, like, there is no – We're going crazy. <laughs> this is all stream of conscious. So, <laughs> yeah. so but is the, the Huskies, though, is that I heard Castricone, if I say this, right at the end of the season is that I think the Huskies were still top 10 this year. I could be wrong. Top 10, though, like in three-point, like, defensive efficiency. Like, they had, like, a top 10 – I, I don't doubt that. Because because they doubt. do press the wings hard. And, like, right when they're at their best, they always want a big man to shoot that, like, intermediate jumper. Yes. And so, at times, it's highly effective.
1: Yes. I, I'm not – so, to get back to the beginning point here, uh, I don't think that the Huskies' defensive abilities are, are the problem with this. Not really. They have it's, they have some issues, but, but but what what my point was going to be is that because it's a little bit of a unique style of defense, I feel like every single year for the Huskies since Hopkins has been here, especially in the last several years with a lot of turnover in in the team and transfers, there's always like this learning curve with it. Lack and, of continuity. Exactly. No continuity, and so like all these guys come in, they don't know how to play his defense. And then, so the first, the beginning of the season, we we let a bunch of games go that we should win against the bad opponents, and then and then come come uh, um, conference play, play. You you have you know you finally have guys that have figured it out, and you start to play good defense, and you're in on these games. Now you still lose some of them because. As we just mentioned, you can't shoot. We can't shoot, <laughs> so and we can't create offense, and we can't draw up an offense. My can't offense. even tie our shoes, <laughs> exactly. And so we still lose some of those games, but they play a lot better defensively because they figured out this slightly stay complex in games. different different defense, and you stay in games. But where do you even start with this? It's like you. I, I think I'll just say one name and I'll let you go with this, uh, with this one because I know you, you have a lot of feelings on this. Jamal Bay. Let's talk about Jamal Bay real quick.
0: Okay, so I think I think Jamal Bay is a good key. He's word. like the he's like the he's a he's a good key key yeah. name or key word that I feel like can start this conversation. Is that so? Got a lot of thoughts on this, and so it's going to be interesting to unpack this all at once. But so. Yes, I think a lot of what you've seen from Hopkins lately is it's basically like rinse and repeat, it seems like, every year. Guys leave in the transfer portal, and we can get into who has already left this Husky team This after this season. We'll get into that a little bit later. And then you get other guys that come in. But And I think there's some merit to that. And like maybe let's just go down that rabbit hole real quick and then we'll get back to the main topic. Because I think like you look at you look at the championship game this year, like I said, we haven't even recorded since since the NCAA tournament has ended. Yeah. Yukon, even San Diego State, like both of those teams have a ton of transfers on their team. Yeah. Like, it really is the new scape of college basketball. Yeah. Is it, like Recruiting high schoolers is really important. I think a lot of coaches right now think recruiting the transfer portal is, is even important. better. No, I agree. Because you have more proven players. Exactly. You can like see Like you're him. always going to get one and done. Yeah,
1: you can see who is like who is going to fit into your system, you know, you have more tape at a college level versus Yeah.
0: And so Hop has I been think. at the forefront of that. I think in some regards to a detriment to his team. That is just kind of like, ship these guys out, ship new guys in. And I think that's tough for him because his style of 2-3 zone, like we just said, there's a learning curve to it. Yeah. And you need continuity. And it's tough to just get new players in and get them to perform the way that you need to. But I have mixed feelings about the idea in general that the new landscape of college basketball of already the the first new landscape was one and dones recruiting nba freshmen yeah and you've seen them do that jane mcdaniels isaiah stewart
1: yeah
0: right and now you've seen them do also the other side of it or at least attempt to which is hit the transfer portal super hard and bring these guys in problem is that he's been fairly unsuccessful in both of those aspects as far as putting a complete team together. Yeah. Like, the individual talent, I think you've seen it. Obviously, Jay McDaniels, Isaiah Stewart, even um, Terrell Brown. Yeah. Right? He's one of the best players I've seen come through this program Yeah, in a while, like as, at least as far as the scorer goes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So individually like you've had hits but the continuity of the team and so to bring it a little bit more full circle is it like guys like jamal bay is it still like the bedrock of your team should be that you recruit players that are going to stay for four years and
1: become better (laughs) and get better better
0: during that time and elevate your program and jamal bay like he seems like a nice enough guy. I don't want to attack him. But he seems like the portrait for what Hopkins has done during his time here is that big-time recruit that came in looked really good at playing alongside Romar's players under Hopkins. Yeah. And Was in the like tur- guy- played in the tournament. Yeah. His freshman year looked,
1: looked great. One of the, the best tournament.
0: players against that North Carolina team. Exactly. And looked really good and really promising. And he got worse as his career went on. Yeah. Amir Wright would be the other other one. one. Yeah. That one of his, I think, part of his first recruiting class. Yeah. And the guy literally wanted to leave by the end of it because he's like, Hopkins won't let me play the way that I want to play. Yeah. And he regressed in his ability.
1: Yeah.
0: That guy was the Gatorade player of the state of New York. Yeah. He was still a raw player out of high school, but like, Still, New York is known for good basketball, and it's yeah. like, that guy got worse.
1: Yeah. It so his ability
0: to... Super athletic.
1: And his ability
0: to road develop road. players has been abysmal. Yeah. And so I just, I don't know what the direction of the team is. Like, this is the new age of college basketball, and like, rinse and repeat, bring in players. But I still think there's, not to sound too old head, but they're still if you want to be successful you still have to recruit players that are going to be bedrock players for you they're going to stay they're going to grow in your system and then they're also going to when you do get these new transfers in or high school recruits they're going to be the type of players that can make them step up and play because they can shepherd them into the role that they need to do and he's just been god awful about that yeah not at all. It's just been god awful. Like all of, all of his recruits that have come in are just disappointing.
1: Yeah.
0: And then they leave. So to, like to switch gears slightly, is it, like, I'm salty because I remember when they signed Keon Menefield. I was stoked. I know yeah. I showed you about it, but I was like, yeah, this guy seems like he's from Flint, Michigan. He seems like perfect Seattle basketball, though. Yeah. He's a Fists jitterbug. The, he fits the build. He like he's undersized, but like this guy can run and jump. No one, nobody's gonna be like, "Wow, this guy shoots the ball!" Like shoots the lights out of the gym. He's just a scorer. Yeah, he's not a shooter. He's a scorer. And now where and is he, had, he going? He
1: had, well, he's going to Arkansas. <laughs> exactly. He's gonna go play with Muscleman. He played one year <laughs> yeah. and he
0: transferred. And he went to Arkansas. And good for him. He'll be yeah. better off there probably.
1: Yeah, and and he had a hell of a season. He looked great. It was a good pickup, but didn't didn't like it enough to stick around here, and so it's uh, and and really, there's been a mass exodus at this point. He's one of what six now, seven now that are leaving. It's got to be at least seven. Yeah, so
0: you you see where Cole Bajma ended up? Yeah, Utah. Yeah, so Utah, Utah. Give me two. Yeah, give me two, two (laughs) Utah. So
1: yeah, you've got you've got. Keon Medifield, P.J. Fuller, Langston Wilson, Cole Badgema, Jackson Grant. Jackson Grant's going to Montana State?
0: No. No. Did you see that?
1: No. I, uh,
0: I saw that the other day on, on the old Twitter, is that due to some complications, he's no longer going there. Really? I assume he's not coming back to U-Dub, but I think something got messed up in okay. uh, in the process. But I did see that, that he said that he's – Montana State, I think, right? Yeah, that's where I I think something got mixed up there, and I saw him say the other day that he's not going there. But I don't think he's coming back to Utah, so he's gone. Doesn't matter where he ends up. Gotcha.
1: So, yeah, the bottom line is mass exodus. Now, at the end of the day, a lot of these guys, Tyler Linhart is the last one, um, you know, P.J. Fuller is already a, a grad tra- or a transfer himself. Langston Wilson never really developed anything. He was kind of more raw talent.
0: Similar guy. to Jackson Grant, though, you never really gave him a chance. Agreed. Yeah. He and, was always a raw yeah. project. Jackson,
1: Jackson Grant's a, a crazy situation because it's like the guy was a four-star. Yeah. Four-star local recruit. He saw the court maybe like I don't know twenty total minutes in his career. Over two years? like
0: Felt like it. Yeah, I mean. you never even gave years. the guy a chance to prove. And yeah. this last year, you needed more big guys because Frank Kepnog got hurt pretty early in the season. Yeah. Braxton Mia was really good. Yeah. But the, the guy can't play the entire game.
1: Yeah. And the, and then Cole Badger was also a, a transfer. But it, the, the thing that, a couple things that stand out, it's like. You, one example is um, uh, Stevenson, who who left the team this last Eric year. Eric Stevenson. Eric Stevenson, and it's like that guy was, where was he playing before? He was at uh, was Wichita, he, Wichita State. Wichita State, where he's averaging close to twenty points a game, fifteen. to it nah, No, it was like, it was 12 like fifteen or fourteen. Yeah. yeah, okay, fifteen points a game. He comes. I here. That was a
0: freshman and sophomore. Yeah,
1: yeah, at a team at that point that was going to the tournament. Yeah, pretty good. And so, good team, and he was. He was scoring there. Comes here, can't score, can't like can't figure out the system, can't guard anybody like can't guard anybody, can't can't score, can't do anything.
0: He couldn't even shoot free throws.
1: Yeah, couldn't yeah, couldn't even shoot free throws. Like he this was, guy's a ninety percent free throw yeah. shooter. And he was he's shooting seventy percent here. <laughs> and then or seventy-three percent or something like you know, something yeah. like that. And then leaves and then this last season he's at West Virginia and to be
0: fair, he went to South Carolina first and didn't really do a whole lot. That's there, true. Didn't get and much then sure. transferred to then West transferred Virginia. Then transferred to
1: West Virginia. But this last year, we talked about him on our on our uh, preview of the of the uh, NCAA tournament. But it's like that guy that guy was a scorer. I think he averaged 15 or 16 points a game there and was like an impact player on that team. And was watching. Him he in was the a go to guy playing, for him. Yeah, watching him in the tournament, play, like playing well. So. Got guy like that, yeah. Or um, I'm trying to think. I feel like there's another one on the tip of my tongue here. But regardless, Emmett Matthews, who's Emmitt also Ma- on yeah, West Matthews Virginia, on the team. yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Matthew's he, another guy. which
0: I think we might have said this on the yeah, bracket I mean, preview, was at West Virginia, transferred to UW. He's from Seattle area, and then transferred back to West Virginia, which is crazy to me. Yeah, but
1: and I I have no doubt that. That Keon Medifield is going to go and be a really good player at Arkansas. My only
0: asterisk on that is that I love Keon Medifield, and I think it's probably a good move. I don't know, though. Arkansas is such a good team. He's also one of those guys that I feel like might get lost in the sauce there because, like, they had three five-star freshmen this year. I have no idea how many of them are returning or going to the NBA. I'm gonna guess that they have at least one more coming in this year.
1: Yeah, I I would assume so.
0: It's it's you know it's kind of like Alabama football. Yeah. Like I mean, where it, do you
1: where do you fit in? You
0: yeah. got to compete against the best. So where are you where are you gonna fit in on that team? And well, even if he's a, the guy's a scorer though. Exactly. He's he'll score he spark score. plug. Yeah. Like the guy the guy is just a hooper. Yeah. So right. I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about the fact that he's not on the Huskies. Yeah, I'm all I'm I'm worried that I'm going to see Cole Badgerman
1: dropping <laughs> dropping uh, threes on us all next season too for Utah. But yeah, he'll lead the Pac-12, yeah, lead the Pac-12 and, 12 field, and three, three point <laughs> yeah, field three goals points. made per game. Yeah, exactly. He'll can't, finally yeah. can't wait for that. But the other the other thing that I have talked about with Luke, but and I'll say it now because I've been waiting, is that you have. Keon Brooks, who is an NBA player.
0: Going Bonafide.
1: Bona fide NBA player on this team. And you have Braxton Mia, who I think, after this season, is a is an NBA player. Like he's a seven footer that can move, can do work in the post. Like he'll probably be a second rounder late guy, but I, well, I he might find his way he might the, find his way into the first round. If he
0: plays like he did down the stretch of the season, all season next year, I think he could easily like, outside of the lottery in the NBA draft, it's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah. Like, you're just kind of drafting people based off of... Yeah. He's a seven-footer he
1: that can score. Like, he's he's going to find his way into the NBA. He's get early he, second round... I don't even know that he can
0: score, round. necessarily, because he doesn't show much of a back-to-the-basket game. But I'll, t- I'll say two things about Mia. Is that, one, despite all the shit we're talking about, Hopkins... He clearly is open to coaching, and that's proven by his free throw, <laughs>
1: yeah. right?
0: Like, yeah. if I'm sure none of you that are listening have ever watched a Husky basketball game, or, or at least for this last season, Braxton Mia though, who shot forty percent from the free throw line his last year at Fresno State before he transferred here, he now shoots it with just with just one, one hand. hand, like he doesn't put his left hand on the ball, and he shoots it, and he shot like. 75% from the free throw line. Yeah. Because somebody told him, it's like, you need to simplify it.
1: Yeah.
0: And it worked. And, like, honestly, I think that's a really big positive for Mia. Yeah. Is that like, you clearly understand the ability to be coached. Yeah. He also showed that by not fouling as much yeah, and playing exact, a much sir. more disciplined style of defense yeah. as the season went on. Goes through, and he thrived because he- of it.
1: He didn't know how to play in the system to start the year, and then he learned how to play in it. And once he was in was... position,
0: you're seven feet with huge arms. Like you understand, the main thing that he has going for him is that the dude has a high motor. Yeah, like it's honestly impressive watching him. Like they he moves up and they, they, the they get and the, they get the fast break going, and he is down the court, and he beats people down the court, and like yeah. that's what will translate in the NBA is having a seven footer that can actually rim run. Yeah. like he has the athleticism. Yeah, so he had, will, and, and he'll have the space in the NBA. He's to, an NBA player. Score that way. He might yeah. be. The, he might be the last guy on the bench on an NBA team, yeah, but, but he's definitely that. an NBA player because of his athleticism, because of his cardio. Yeah. like he does actually have that ability to run rim to rim, now, and he's huge. So, and
1: so this gets to my point though: is that both both of those guys are NBA players? How many teams? How many teams in college basketball have two NBA players in them and are not in the NCAA tournament? I would wager a guess that it's zero outside of the Huskies. Yeah. It, like, it's just not even possible. I mean, there's
0: only five players on the court. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if <laughs> so you have, two, yeah, that NBA players yeah, you have think, two that are NBA players, you would think you're in the and upper And you still echelon. can't
1: manage manage to find a way to win enough games to even get into the dance. Like, you don't even have to... You don't even have to win the dance. Like they, everybody gets in. It's it's sixty eight teams now. Like everybody gets in. You have two NBA players, and you can't even find your way in. And that's not just this year, where you have like guys that were projecting as NBA players right now. You had the same thing with Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniel's a couple of years ago, who were both first round picks, top ten or top fifteen picks both of them yeah McDaniels slipped a little bit
0: uh, yeah McDaniels was like 25 yeah
1: McDaniels slipped a little bit but Isaiah Stewart was 11 10
0: yeah nine, somewhere in somewhere there somewhere between 10 like, of-
1: and I think McDaniels was another guy that like could have been a top like talent probably talent- should have been wise. higher the way he's yeah, playing talent wise he yeah he's he was was he defensive MVP or runner up for that like he was contending for it at the end of the year here? Yeah, like?
0: uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., won yeah, defensive player but of the year. He's but
1: second, a couple years in, and now he's... A lot of team people team
0: are here. giving him some credit, though, for being... I think yeah, he is he, one of the better on-ball wing defenders. Yeah. Either way, you had right two
1: first-round NBA draft picks on your team, and you couldn't even make it into the dance that year. And now you have the same situation a couple years later. Both these guys are transfers, but I don't care. <laughs> you have two NBA players on your team. You should be making it to the dance like at the end of the day that has to that has to say something about Hopkins that he's not doing enough because there's no other team that if someone wants to that's listening can find me find me that out there maybe I'm completely off but I I just can't imagine that there's any other any other team in college basketball that has that luxury and is not finding their way into into the um NCAA bracket so
0: No, I mean, I completely agree. Like, I don't... uh, Other than my first kind of answer to all of this is that I don't know how that's possible other than the fact that it's like they just struggle to have, like, cohesion and identity. Like, you have a, air quote, identity in the sense that, like, you play this style of 2-3 zone, but they're usually not even that good at it. Yeah. Until they've gotten 15 games into the season. Yeah. And a lot of times, like, you're already fighting for your fucking life at that point. Yeah. Because you're 500.
1: Yeah, you've lost half the games already.
0: So, and like I said, track it back, is that at some point, like, you have to build up your roster enough with guys that are there for the long haul that can hopefully, like, suture in the style of play that when you have new players that you can actually get production right away. I I completely agree. I don't know how it's possible to have two NBA quality players on your team and not even be like you're right that not gets... you
1: have a Keon Manyfield and Corin Johnson, like a couple of good freshman guards. Like you have other good players around them. There's not it's not like they're the only guys. There's other players that can, that can do things. Madam, as much as I love to dog on him, he's not horrible. Like there's guys out there. And he that, finally had a
0: decent shooting year this year. Folks. There's
1: guys on that team that are good, and yet you can't find your way in, into the, you know, into winning twenty games in a year.
0: This all gets to, I think the meta point to all of this, like we've talked about before, is that I still think that, in general. Hopkins just is never going to be the guy for the Huskies because hate it or love it, Seattle has a huge basketball culture around it, and it doesn't cater to the type of players that Hopkins is trying to put into his system. Yeah. You need your Corin Johnsons, and he actually had a great year last year. Yeah. But, like, it really is... Seattle produces NBA style players and you need to have an NBA style approach to how you want to construct your team. And like
1: it makes you kind of wish that Romar was here now. Exactly. With is that Romar this, was ahead of the, the curve. You know, with this like landscape of college basketball, how it is too, it seems like he would be
0: you need, a really good You player. need a free and open style of play. And even like Romar got a lot of shit during his time. But it's like Romar's teams gave up a lot of points defensively because they played a high-paced scoring type of game.
1: Yeah. So obviously... score 90 sometimes. So.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so you're going to give your opponents chances to score more. They were hard-nosed defensive teams, though. Yeah. Like you think of... You can go all the way back to Will Conroy types. Yeah. But even Vinoy Overton. Like... All of these guys played hard defense, and it wears on people. Now they play this zone, and I said, I think the zone is very effective by a lot of measures. Like, clearly. Yeah. It's not a bad defense. I just don't think that Hopkins has found a way to recruit through the pipelines that are around here because the types of players that are around here don't want to play that. They don't want to play no offense and two three zone defense. Yeah, and so it's hard to like stock your cupboards full of good players locally when it's just not that attractive brand of basketball.
1: Yeah, and you you've missed out on how many how many talented guys have we missed out on from from the local ranks? I mean, Tons. obviously there's Paulo Banquero, which like he was probably never going to be here, but like. Guy was the first overall pick in the draft, but it's just, it's just like every single year there's a four star guy at Garfield or Rainier Beach that that is yeah. coming through. Like, how many guys have we missed out on that just don't want to play in this? Yeah, Hopkins?
0: Doesn't even scratch the surface on it. Yeah, like, but I mean, we kind of said this too during the season is that like even Corin Johnson though is a good example is that he kind of ended up being. Maybe I'm being too harsh on Hopkins, but he was kind of like a throwaway recruit. Yeah. Like, it didn't seem like we really recruited him that hard until the final push, and then he committed, like, super late. Yeah. But it's like, those are the guys that you have, if you're UW, you have to have. Yeah. He's a four-star guard out of Garfield. Like, you yeah, how are we he, not getting just, all of those guys? he should be wearing a husky jersey by the time he's 15 like yeah. like you just need to lock yeah, that needs in he in the gym like, for exactly the like he's you 16 years old and he looked great yeah he looked great like he's Hopkins the,
1: not even at that hobkins not even at the state tournament like will yeah. Conway might be there but like hobkins isn't even showing up to the state tournament with these guys playing playing their games like, yeah, i don't like, understand i don't understand what's going on <laughs> that's
0: why it's hard to understand yeah how how they don't have depth on this team because it's like, all you have to do is pluck a few kids from drive five minutes down the road from exactly. And and like, you can fill out your roster with guys like, and they they get overlooked all the time. Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel like that was always the staple though of Romar's teams and like, you know, not to sound too like waxing poetic about Romar's time because like, obviously he had his struggles too, but like, you always felt like the caliber of talent on those Romar teams, like from top to bottom, they were filled out because yeah. had because he did a good job of recruiting locally, yeah. And you had these guys that it's like, well, that guy can get in there and get you a bucket at any time. Yeah, a lot of guys on these teams lately, it's just like
1: yeah, nobody can score. Like you don't nobody trust, can score. You don't trust anybody to score. Like no,
0: you had okay. you need a guy like Keon Brooks to come in. Yeah. And but if he has a bad night, just like when we had Brown, if he has a bad night, you're not nobody, winning.
1: Nobody's scoring.
0: Yeah. Or it's like at least back with Romar, it's like
1: somebody with There's five
0: was, different guys and can give you twenty on any night.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And every every position. There's
0: NBA players life, yeah. coming up and down that roster, like Yeah. So I don't know what the solution is. Yeah, that was other than, that was
1: gonna be my next question is What's the solution? And obviously, so, we could, the whole Fire Hopkins discussion has come up. And r- word or rumor is, uh, at least, that the Huskies or the University of Washington is unable to do that because they can't afford to pay Hopkins' buyout because they've spent all their money on the, on all of the... Um, on Jimmy Lake's contract for football and then all of all of the assistants um, on this current husky football team, which we'll get into Husky football soon, don't you worry folks. But I mean so what's like what do we do <laughs> in the meantime, you know?
0: That that all sounds in my mind kind of screwy just because I haven't heard any of this like Specific to Husky basketball. But I have heard some things around college basketball. Them talking about like NIL deals for basketball players. Which are pretty substantial. Because obviously, just like NBA to NFL, you know, there's only five players on the court at a time. So like, these guys get paid a lot. Right, these nil deals are pretty favorable for basketball players because you only have to pay a couple of them. Yeah, and so I have no idea what they paid Keon Brooks to come to UW and to stay, but I imagine it's pretty substantial. Yeah, it's probably a million, right?
1: I would guess. I mean, it's probably it's got to be more than he's probably would make to go to the draft this year.
0: Yeah, because like I think if Keon Brooks went to the draft, like. He's probably at least a second-round pick. Yeah, I think he gets picked. Yeah. So you got to think that he's getting, you know, at least half a million, to not if not a million. So with that in mind, they're handing this money out to the players. I, I it seems like yeah. a tired yeah. excuse to be like, we can't pay Hop's six million buyout. Like, this is UW. There's always money. Yeah. And there's, there's plenty of yeah, boosters that you know have you can talk
1: to a booster and be like we gotta we need to we need donations to to pay this buyout and we're gonna hire XYZ coach you just have to have that coach that next coach come
0: in and i just don't know who that is and targeted. maybe and maybe that's and, why
1: and well and i th- i mean i think the i think the answer is right under our nose because <laughs> it's i think it's an affordable pick it's it's a guy like Conroy, you know? My
0: only, my only counter to that is that, like, I do like that idea to a large extent, but at the same time, like, I can twist it in my own mind that it's like, Will Conroy is restricted by what Hopkins wants to do, but the guy's also been on the staff now for tons of years, and they've been horrible. Yeah. So, like...
1: Yeah, but he doesn't get to run his show... In his offense and like his, it's true
0: you assume like he doesn't you assume that Hopkins is gone and Conroy's in there, they're playing hard man to man defense instantly. Exactly. Like And so not, the whole shape of the team changes pretty quickly. Yeah.
1: And so you you take a you take a flyer on Conroy for two or three years and you pay him a lot less than probably every other coach in the Pac twelve. Yeah. And then you can afford to pay the buyout because you're paying him less, and then if, if he does take you to a, the tournament, then you then you restructure his deal, and then if not, then in two years you or in you know a year or two you go and find the next coach, and I think that seems like the easy answer to me. Do you do you give Hopkins like if you give him one more year? I mean, at this point, I think they've already committed to that, but. If you're giving him one more year, he's got to be on the hot seat. <laughs> like, if you don't make the if you don't make the tournament again,
0: I think he's done. He's got to be done. I think like, he's done. Yeah. So he like his. I don't even know if a tournament run is enough to save him. Like, unless it's like uh, he still has two more years on his deal. Doesn't mean he? he's t- through twenty five. I think is it two more? I think so cuz I think we, I mean we gave him I think we gave two him, extensions. Yeah,
1: we gave him an extension. So I think he's through 25. So I think you
0: I, again I well I still stand by what I said before is like you can find money to get yeah. out of that. Well, that's, yeah, that's I, a piss poor excuse that like we can't afford it, whatever. It's like I, yeah. I don't know. Charge an extra dollar at beers, like, I already can't get any at the stadium because <laughs> it takes so fucking long. So, like, yeah. I guarantee you could find the money.
1: Man, can't wait to get into that.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but,
1: yeah, that's uh, that's a whole other story. Yeah, I I just think, I mean, they've clearly made the decision that they're sticking with them or else they would have already made a coaching change. So,
0: Well, yeah, that's definitely true for this year, but, like, projecting but it's just, to next you've gotta,
1: year. You've just got to be... I, I would think almost like if you start out the season 500, he's fired.
0: Well, they, they don't just do it mid-season.
1: Yeah, although they don't do that in college basketball, I feel like. But if it was the pros, like that would be the case. Yeah,
0: you'd be done. You'd
1: be done. Like he's he's got to be on that kind of hot seat where it's like can't get any worse. Like, you, I said
0: I still stand by it, Even if they made it to the tournament and they lost, I just don't know the.
1: That's mm-hmm. enough to save him.
0: Yeah, like it'd be one thing if they, you know, go twenty four and seven this year, and they're a four seed. You know, then all of a sudden, that's a little different. than yeah, if they're,
1: know, if they're top twenty, getting
0: team. in as a play in.
1: Yeah, if they're a top twenty five team, then maybe it's maybe
0: a it's a little story. different, and maybe yeah. we'll ride the contract out. Like you said, if there is two more years, like we'll just keep riding the con. Definitely don't give them an extension. But, yeah, ride right, the contract out, but...
1: And see if he does it again.
0: You have kind of... You have a above-average season, and you make it to the tournament, and you get dusted. Like, like I said, for all the reasons before, is that he hasn't really shown, since he used Romar's players, that he has the ability to, like, build some sort of consistent winner. Yeah. Unless you consider a 500 record a winner.
1: Which I don't.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Which I never will.
0: Yeah, so... I yeah, it it just it feels like right now we'll see what happens this next year, but I feel like we already know what's gonna happen. They'll probably be right around five hundred. Just feels like as a husky basketball fan, we're just kind of in purgatory right now. Yeah. That's like yeah, that's could be it's, worse. It's like, you could be in hell. That's what, yeah. You could be Cal winning four games or whatever. Yeah. In a season. So we're not that bad, but this is what I have kinda say: is that like tracking back Is that I do like Will Conroy and that probably is like the direction. But I've said this before to you, at least not while recording, obviously, because we never talked Husky basketball, but Seattle should be given the recruiting pipeline. This should be a premier spot in college basketball that it's like you should be a power player. Yeah, you should be able to go and be like we want your coach to come here because your recruiting is made so easy around here.
1: Yeah. You would think we have money. Yeah. We have, we money. have facilities we have, like and it, it, Yeah, and it's like I mean, even just think about like I mean, people are fiending for basketball here. It's like the crossover you comes, could make it the talk the of the Crossover comes in, like people are lining up around the block for that. And, you know, and like even even this the women's college basketball tournament this this last couple of weeks ago it's like the place is the place is popping I'm like Seattle people like basketball like we want it we want we want to see good basketball and here. and the Huskies
0: like, captures zero of that yeah
1: exactly and and like meanwhile you go like the Husky games like just you you can't find any of that energy anytime there's a big game like when they when they've gone on a, a nice run and they're like they win a big game here or there and it's like oh there's another big game following that like all of a sudden like people are there and re- like people are ready to ready to burst and like want to support it yeah, like there's no and reason it's just like you can't you can't get any of that energy with the team because they just like pop just keeps them in mediocrity
0: when I said like there's no reason like to look to the national champions our fellow huskies like Yukon is that they do a great job of that. Is that there's no... There's no real professional basketball in Connecticut.
1: Yeah.
0: So, like, you have a chance with a bunch of, like, heavy basketball fans in that area. That, like, you can be yeah,
1: the profe- the professional yeah. sports
0: team. De- yeah. yeah. Just like Alabama football. Like, yeah. you don't have anything there. Is that, like, the Huskies could op- could easily... Occupy that spot that it's like we are your basketball team for Washington.
1: Yeah,
0: and you have NBA talent that's coming through.
1: I mean, there's probably some of those like Garfield and uh, Rainier Beach games have more more fans in attendance than yeah, probably <laughs> than Husky games sometimes because especially when like when there's when more there's, talent on you know, the yeah, court. When yeah, when there's big prospects coming through, it's like. Hey, so I just don't, I just don't understand it.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that was always, that was always kind of the reservations when I said, and you know this is that when we fired Romar in favor of Hop, I said it from the jump that I was like, I didn't want to see Romar go. Yeah, especially because we had Markel Foltz. Michael Porter Jr. was supposed to be a part of that class. Noel. Noel. Crisp. Uh, well, Crisp was already mean, there, but oh, you just they were already there. in. Yeah. But yeah, but like we had this great recruiting class. So, like you got to give him one more year. Yeah. Give him a chance to go with these guys.
1: Yeah.
0: And they fired him, but. And now
1: they won't fire Hop. And who is the his recruiting class right now?
0: Yeah, but yeah, exactly. And so always the reservation was though is that it's like Hop, like, watched enough basketball, you like Syracuse, like you hear all that. It's like how is he going to connect here? He's an East Coast guy. He went to Syracuse. And now he's been a like player assistant once he was done and then coached there. Like Syracuse, New York is you know, about as far away as you could get from Seattle, and yeah. in the lower forty-eight. Yeah. So, like, how is he going to connect? And they're like, I feel like honestly, it's like, he just never has. Yeah. And that was kind of my biggest complaint when we fired Romar. There's just like, and honestly, you know, I think the conjecture around it, and I bought into it too, is it's like, I feel like it's a lose lose. Because he's either really good, which he was to start, and he leaves to go back to Syracuse when Bayheim retires, which didn't happen until this year. Yeah. Or he's really bad, and that's bad because he's bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it he seems like a did. lose-lose. He's either really good and he jumps ship, which he didn't do.
1: Well, he's neither of those because he's just wildly mediocre. Exactly. And so He's, he's just, <laughs> we're stuck in purgatory, like you said. It it's interesting cuz like i think dp was talking about this the other day with um calipari right mm-hmm. obviously kentucky makes it to the tournament every year but the huskies under romar were making it to the tournament most years also they didn't for a year or two there and that's when, when he got fired when he had this great like this great core of young guys and great recruiting class coming in and that's when they decided to fire him mm-hmm. and you just can't help but like imagine what that could have been, like what you were building at that point. Like cut multiple tournament runs, like continuous top-tier guys coming into the program. You had the num- number one prospect coming in in Michael Porter Jr., or at least a top five consensus prospect coming in. And you just never got to see it play out. You got to see Hopkins take that core to the tournament one time. Yeah, that was it. And now we're... I
0: think he went twice, didn't he? Or he only went once?
1: I think it was only once. Maybe it was twice. Maybe I'm off on that, but...
0: I think he went twice because he was Pac-12 coach of the year twice. Okay. So I think both times they they went. They didn't do anything. Yeah. They won one game against, what, Utah State and then lost to North Carolina. I think one year, and then I think they went one and e- done either yeah.
1: way it, the, the program is moving backwards and
0: yeah i will say is it like hop isn't the guy in my mind and that's to like put a bow on all of this i yeah. think it's a lot more that you need somebody more like romar that is really like entrenched in the seattle basketball scene but I do think, like, broadly speaking, is it college basketball is like it has an interesting dynamic that, unlike football, I don't think you want to just, like, be turning over coaches all the time. Like, you look at all the best coaches. Yeah. They're there for 20 years. Yeah. Like, it's I still, agree. in order to win the championship, you have to win a 68-team bracket. Yeah. Right? So, it's like golf. You're going to lose more than you win
1: yeah
0: but what makes you so like you don't judge the success of your season off of winning a championship i would think as much as you do you know football football being the main one at least for college right yeah that you can base it off of like we want to be in the tournament we want to be competitive you want to
1: give yourself a chance
0: you want to give yourself a chance
1: like you can, but.
0: And so the guys that are best at that are the ones that honestly are there for a long enough tenure that they can build up a program that you have sustainability. Yeah. And I think that can be hard. It's not as much as a flash in the pan type of, like, we'll get into Husky football, and I'm not saying that DeBoer's this, but, like, you know, you can go from 4-8 and eight to 11-2 and two in football.
1: Yeah.
0: Does that mean, like... But then you can go back to being not that good and it's time to fire the coach and get a new one in. College basketball, I think, is a little more about longevity. The best coaches are there for a long time. Yeah. And it's about sustainability. So at some point though, you gotta you gotta find yeah. that guy that can be your coach for over ten years.
1: Yeah. But it's
0: gotta be somebody that
1: Well we're approaching that with Hopkins. And we, and we aren't seeing... It's not results. that long, is it? it? It's getting darn close. When was he hired? 2013 or 14?
0: It's got to be later
1: than that. I don't think it's much later than that.
0: I mean, he's probably on year six or seven, right?
1: I, uh, I'm... I'm efforting on that right I now.
0: I mean... That falls in line with what I'm saying is that I still don't think Hop's the guy. But at some point, like, I think there is that kind of balance that, like...
1: He was hired in 17. This will
0: be his seventh season now? Next year, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, seventh
0: season. Okay, so that's what I thought. But, like, at some point, you want to find a guy that, like, you could really weather the storm with. You know, Coach K wasn't. Coach K wasn't winning. Twenty eight games year one. True, but, but it's got to yeah. be somebody though that, and that's where Will Conroy fits in a lot better. Is that somebody who's who's entrenched, wants to the be basketball. there?
1: Yeah, it. Yeah, and I don't. I don't know that it's. Uh, maybe it is. He's been here seven years, but I just don't. I don't know.
0: Yeah, he'll get fired after next year and then I think he will too. Problem is, is that I just outside of you Will Conra- outside school. of Will Conroy, I just don't know what the answer is.
1: I mean, you've heard Brandon Roy's name tossed around, but he doesn't have much experience coaching at a college level. And outside of that I mean, there's guys out there. There's every year there's coaches out there that are up and coming. Just not so much that are entrenched in in Seattle basketball but there's guys that I'm sure they could find their way to be entrenched in it they're good enough coaches that they'll be like I I know where the talent's at and I'll I'll dig my claws in but yeah,
0: Jamal Crawford
1: I don't think he has a, I especially don't or think coupon. A, I especially don't think Jamal Crawford has any interest in coaching now that he's got a job on TNT
0: yeah exactly I don't think, <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's, you getting, don't, he's getting he's getting money probably yeah UW can't, <laughs> yeah, afford, we can't to afford to pay him, him.
1: Anymore, We can't even afford to fire Hobb. We definitely can't afford to hire Jamal Crawford. Yeah, that's a good point. So, well, put a bow on it. Yeah. Uh, Husky basketball is doomed. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that they, I mean, they should. Once again, I don't think there's any reason because, again, they're, at least at this point, they're supposed to have two NBA players. They should be good. They probably won't be. They'll probably be mediocre again. But they should be better next year. I would have liked them a lot better with Keon Manyfield on the team. But, corn Johnson can step in. Yeah. We'll see what how the transfers fall.
0: And yeah, with all the negativity, is it like, Hop still knows how to hit the transfer portal, and he's yeah. going to get guys in here. And, they said you still have Corin Johnson, Braxton Mia, and Keon Brooks. Yeah. So you have some, but and you get,
1: you're going to get Kepnong back.
0: Yeah. I would you imagine. Know.
1: So you get two seven-footers. So, I mean, there's I, – I think there's – I'm know, always
0: going to be a hopeless romantic for Husky basketball, and that's kind of a they,
1: – They've signed
0: uh, – They got the shooting guard from Texas. They got the it shooting guard from good.
1: Texas, and they got the – the they got a transfer from, like from Portland. Portland State. that was I think like, it was just from Portland. Oh, was a Portland? The pilots. Oh, yeah. Moses Wood, 6'8", 210 forward, was at Tulane, then UNLV, then Portland. So don't know much about him, but, you know, we'll see how things fall. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, bitch a lot more, I'm sure, about Husky basketball in uh, nine months from now. <laughs> so
0: yeah they're never short of complaints so yeah
1: exactly so anyways finish put... f- finishing up here we're going to uh it's friday night right now the husky spring football game is tomorrow so luke and i are going to be there watch that very excited for for uh just getting to watch some husky football i know it's been you know it's been a long cold winter without them and how things finished off last year. Man, what an exciting time for Husky football.
0: So, Sky's the limit.
1: Seriously. So we're going to be uh, watching that tomorrow and then uh, recording another pod. So we should be we, – we're going to be releasing two episodes, I believe, just a full one on Husky the Husky spring game and our, uh, our hopes and dreams for Husky football season next year. So – Jump on in, take a, take a listen to that after you're finished with this. I know it was long and unhinged, so thanks for tuning in. And, so uh, unhinged. Yeah, so unhinged. The, uh, the inmates are signing out for the night, and uh, thanks for listening, guys. See
0: you. It's time for lunch. Angelo, it's 1030. Right around that corner, there is a sandwich shop. They sell meatball sandwiches. Best I've ever tasted. Would you go get me two? Come on, partner. Two. Thank you. Utah! Give me two!